0: In a world filled with sharks, bears, and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie, and pop culture news. That man is
1: Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast. Hello, welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture where we didn't have to re-record that sentence five separate times. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Tom Sidlachik, and today we are going to discuss Horizon Forbidden West. We're bringing down the new PS5 exclusive title and the board game Horizon Zero Dawn. Joining me for the discussion today are Hobby Box, Joe Burns. Heyo! And known nickname, Brian Camille. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, guys. So, Bernsey, you uh, you often do a wonderful thing for me. You'll clean up a lot of typos because, like, I'm just trying to get words on a page and I'm just flying ahead and, like, our show notes are just a mess. And so in my opening line here, it's supposed to say PS5 exclusive, <laughs> but instead it says JB5 I,
2: I didn't know if that was like a shorthand and like you have some weird thing where that helps you remember things more or you wanted to make a larger point. And so I figured I would just leave it in there just in case, you know.
1: Yeah, no, that's very kind. What happened <laughs> was uh, Phoenix was on the last show. And so I did a find and replace with PS because uh, for each of our talking points, uh, uh, I give our initials. And so there's a lot of <laughs> PSs and you were taking your spot or I don't remember who else was on the show. So maybe not, but. Long story short, all PS's became JB, so God only knows how many sentences are messed up and how many times I'm going to trip and flub and flounder my way. I guess we'll find out. I can't wait.
0: I I love how you basically break down that you're more about creating volume than precision. Is that how you make love?
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, see, Phoenix is on board with that. Brian, you were last on the show a couple of months ago for
0: Far Cry. What have you been up to, dude? Um, let's see. We've been playing a bunch of different games. Um, I was playing, uh, obviously, Horizon Forbidden West, which was a blast. Um, I oh. got a chance.
1: Also, we have whiskey and
2: weed and cheers. Oh. Cheers, my friend.
0: Christ almighty. All right. Yeah. There you go. And the bubbler Spurping there, too. Water,
2: there yeah. we go. The lime flavor.
1: Mm. Now it's a podcast.
2: Let's go.
0: Now we're having a good time. Loosen up the swears. Yeah, you got um, to
2: breathe in with the bubbly to really get that deep lime flavor. I don't
0: yeah. I don't get the bubbly water, man. The joke that makes the most sense to me is like someone is down the hallway and yells strawberries. And that's how like carbonated water tastes, right? Right.
2: Well, so that's <laughs> especially especially like uh, Lacroix is known for that yeah, because Lacroix sure. is like they call it naturally essenced. And, uh, yeah, it has, like, the hint of flavor in some cases. Some of them actually do have a pretty strong flavor, but, but, yeah, um, I don't know. I've always, I've gotten to, like, sparkling water a lot, so, yeah. Your skin looks great, too. Well, thank you. It's only a Bobbley. boss. If- Brian,
1: you were playing Tiny, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. I have been playing that with my two brothers,
0: um, and it's, it, it's very much just kind of like again you're playing a new version of Borderlands 3. There really isn't too much of a different flavor to it.
1: Disagree. This is a complete like D&D skin on it. Yeah, but at the same it time It has character creation. It has legitimate character creation.
0: It has an ability to do some cross classes and that I would say is about the extent of what that character I'll give creation points. is you're still looking at another (laughs) reskin of Borderlands 3, and that's not a bad thing.
1: Name your character. You were not able to name your character in Borderlands 3 or any other Borderlands games, even Tales from the Borderlands. You wouldn't know that, but...
0: I didn't get far enough to tell you that anything really passed the first two segments of that game. I think we broke down at under 20 minutes in, as if, judging by the trophy system. Um, but it's, it's it's kind of they took Assault on Dragon Keep and they blew it up into a full game. And it, it has been fun to play. Um, I played
1: the intro of it with Phoenix and we are completely charmed by it. Like I can't wait to dive back into it now that I'm not completely consumed by Horizon anymore. Uh,
0: it's It's beautiful too and and i didn't know if they could make borderlands that much prettier but some of the lighting effects alone it is like it is a stunning game hmm. um so i've been playing that one um, quibble
1: playing split screen on a 70 inch mm-hmm. tv hard to read I'd- hard to read the text super duper frustrating because like we have a giant tv you should be able to make it readable for two players how does it split it side? horizontal, by side? horizontal. okay so, so top, top and bottom, bottom. Yep. Yeah. which makes the most
0: sense um i mean like the only couch co op I think that's super comfortable to play would be like Mario Kart, and they do that. They split it vertically because obviously it's more important to see what's coming up in the track than it is horizontal. But in FPS, it's got to be horizontal because you got to watch your flanks, right?
1: There's really right. no other way to do it. We've played a lot of LEGO games, and for a couple iterations of LEGO games, for couch co op, the actual split would change based on where your character was. So, like, if I'm accustomed to being on the left side, if, my, if I run Lego oh. Spider-Man off to the right side, like, the screen starts rotating, and then I'm in control of the right side, and it was so discombobulating. Interesting. That sounds
2: crazy. Are you excited for the Lego complete Skywalker edition Star Wars saga, whatever order those words go in?
1: No. I'm sure it's awesome, and I'm sure it's super fun, and we love the Lego games, but we haven't played one together in ages. Like, having two little kids, like, we just don't have a lot of time for couch co-op anymore. So it was super exciting to dive into Tiny Tina a little bit. Brian, you've also been playing Elden Ring, the biggest game in the country right now. It's you like I'm, it? Is I it am, good? Better I am, than Bloodborne?
0: I am loving it. I would... I like it better than Bloodborne in a certain way. It is more open world. It is it's kind of like if you took Breath of the Wild and merged it with a, a FromSoft game, and they've I mean. So
1: Burns, it sounds like you're a hard pass on Elden Ring from that description.
2: No, I'm in I'm in between on it. Kind of like we talked about with Adam on Unfiltered a couple of months ago. It's I'm interested in it. I think if if the world, so yeah, if the world and exploring the world is a lot like Bloodborne, then I think I would be interested in it. The things that it's like. It's not like Breath of the... The biggest quibble I had with Breath of the Wild was just that your weapons break every five swings, and then you gotta switch to something else, where at least you get a good like 20 more thwacks into something before it starts to get damaged in, in from soft games, typically, it seems. And with this
0: game, it's amazing how densely they packed a lot of the the secrets in the world. It, I mean, literally around every corner you're finding something. The only thing I'm going to say that if you're really heavy-based into storytelling, this is a game where I'm probably like 60 70 hours and I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm traveling to places sometimes people are dead,
1: sometimes people aren't dead and I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going towards a tree. <laughs> well two points this must be like your favorite game ever then And two <laughs> is it a lack of like storytelling because George R. R. Martin worked on this game so I expected something from the story. Is it a lack of storytelling or are you just skipping cutscenes? There really isn't many cut scenes to speak of. A lot of
0: the, how the game works is you get a lot of the lore from either talking to characters in game or you can analyze a lot of the items in game by kind of reading a little bit of background on it. Um, other than that, there really isn't too much to it. So most of the YouTube videos I'm watching on just trying to understand what the heck is going on with the overarch, everyone's like, well, we assume this and we, we have kind of postulated this. Nobody knows. And so it's it's been kind of interesting to see what the internet's interpretation of what the story actually is. So it's um,
1: like the end of Song of Ice and Fire.
0: Oh my god, it's it's interesting.
1: Nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody honestly knows where it, the written page was going to go.
2: I mean, basically, it is the typical FromSoft storytelling. 100%. It's just George R. R. Martin helped build the world, and to my understanding, like, didn't put in tons of time on it. It was like... I don't know. Like in the dozens of hours, if that. I would be curious to know, like, what his consulting fee is. Like, what
1: check he cashed just to fly over there and to talk about their world a little bit. Case
0: of Diet Coke. That's my guess. (laughs) Maybe a new Tam.
1: No, he is a big name author. I am sure he got bank for it. 20K? I'm sure it's more
2: than 20K. Probably more than that, but... I mean, I wonder if he you got a percentage at, point. That's,
0: that's what I'm wondering. If he got that, he's doing his, well. Because
2: his name's somewhere on the box, right? So he probably gets a little bit of it. And, and, you know, when you look at a game that... It's their most profitable game by far that they've ever made. They've sold the most copies than any other FromSoft game. And that was, like, in the first month. So, I mean, they're they're making bank on it as well.
1: How, uh, how do you think Andrey Sapkowski gets out of bed in the morning, knowing that he turned down a percentage of the entire Witcher franchise?
2: I mean, I, I think, although I think what happened was because there was like some squabbles between him and CG, CD Projekt Red for a while. I think they like came back to the table at some point and like lumped him in for more with the success of Witcher 3 and any Witcher stuff moving forward, which they did uh-huh. announce that they're working on the next Witcher game now. And that they've started a team working on pre-production on it, so we'll get it in ten years, and hopefully it's finished.
0: It is interesting to me how. Many, it works. Yes, it's interesting to me how many people have been burned by not appreciating the the breadth of the interest that the public has in gaming. Because Mike Tyson for Mike Tyson's Punch Out was paid thirty thousand he chose $30,000 over a percentage of the sales.
1: Well, Mike Tyson is a person who gets hit in the head professionally.
0: (laughs) That's true. And he can do it really well.
1: And I wonder what the lump sum for Sierpovsky was. The way I understand the deal was that he took a lump sum over a percentage before The Witcher 1 was released, and that when they expanded into other works, which CD Projekt Red held the rights to, the graphic novels, board games, everything else that's called The Witcher at all goes to CD Projekt Red, not Sierpovsky. I understand that they reworked the deal when they expanded that, and a little bit so just think like if you had to choose between say 500k and one percentage of a game's profits not knowing if any profits are actually coming like i wonder how many people have been in a similar position and have been burned by going for the percentage on a project that never took off well think
2: of it this way it's like the lottery how many people take the lump sum as opposed to the ten thousand dollars a month for life kind of thing like most people just take the lump sum because they want it all right away uh and and you know This is a company that had they really made much before the Witcher one, like I think they made something, but nothing like of any like major repute, and so it's a risk if you could take five hundred thousand dollars or Polish kroner or whatever the heck they use, and hopefully
1: it was five hundred k, not like five k in whatever the equivalent currency is.
0: and then you look at a guy like Sean Connery turning down Lord of the Rings, and I, I forgot what the percent was. They offered him like a half a percent of total sales. Thank gosh for that. And, and, he, and all he said was, uh, he didn't understand the script, so he's like, no, <laughs> no. And yeah, he said, F- you,
2: nerds. <laughs> You're the first one to swear.
1: I win! Hooray! Yeah, Yeah. because we're going to cut out the one that I did in the original open because I can't say words. Burns, you're here. It's been forever. It has been. You were last in for January in the Cowboy Bebop Show. Are you ready to do 37 straight podcasts together?
2: I was born ready. Yeah. It was full of piss and vinegar.
1: Yeah. Uh, What if we poked a hole in you would like piss start pouring out? And vinegar. Oh. yeah
2: <laughs> listen to him would you
1: god oh, <laughs> do i have to spell it out for you cripes <laughs> yes please do
2: how do you spell p so you're talking about p-e-e or just p like the letter p or the vegetable p-e-a yeah well
1: speaking of p we are potty training my oldest daughter praise jesus that is the biggest news in this logic family household. daughter's
2: name i thought praise jesus is a weird name
1: no, no, I I, I I hate you, birds Still working through that intro, folks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. As right, Ryan almost gets a bubble. Three,
2: runner. two.
1: I believe I requested the hand job.
2: <laughs> hand jibber.
1: If you enjoy this show, follow us on social. You <laughs> can email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. Follow The Hobby Box at Hobby Box Burns on Twitter and twitch.tv slash Burns. Follow me at Tom OIO on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the show at Facebook.com slash outside is overrated. Also go to Patreon.com slash OIO and pledge some financial support to the podcast. Just like my friend Brian. Thanks, Brian. You're
0: welcome, Tom. Any day.
2: I'm chopped liver, apparently.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate you too, Burns. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. For our first main segment today, we are going to talk about the Horizon Zero Dawn board game. This board game released in 2020. It was designed by Sherwin Matthews, lead designer at Steamforged Games. He has also designed Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, and Song. I am not familiar with and have not played any of those games. Burns, have you touched them?
2: I saw one of the Resident... I think it was Resident Evil 2 Set up and saw like a little bit of a demo of it at Adepticon like in 2019 or 2018 for like 10 minutes. So, Sounds otherwise, like not old. a lot. Yeah, otherwise, not a lot. No, uh, I mean, it looked fine. I just don't, I'm just, I've, Resident Evil is one of those franchises that I've had an interest in, but I've never played it because. I just, I don't know, couldn't get into the controls in the older games.
1: And I loved the first game. I loved the first game so much that I would never play another game until after I beat the first one. Guess you never beat the first one? And so the entire franchise has passed me by. Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game, has a board game geek rating of 7.1.
2: It's respectable.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. Um, Sorry, my pages are just a touch out of order here you say already. whatever's on the teleprompter. <laughs> yeah, I will. It's so bad. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game, eschews all narrative aspects of the source <laughs> material and focuses on fighting machines. You play as one of the four races from Horizon Zero Dawn. Nobody laugh at my spelling mistakes. We all make mistakes. It happens. We're all human. You're stocking machines, upgrading your gear, and trying to take down a big bad guy for the glory of the Hunter's Lodge. The board game is cooperative, cooperative, coopera, competitive. Yeah, it's a sure. combination
2: of those yeah. words, yes.
1: <laughs> Ultimately, you're working together to beat the monsters, but the player with the most glory wins. If anyone loses, the whole party loses. The game is played over five acts. The player who performed the best in the previous round chooses which of the three encounters the party will face. The player in last place gets to choose one of three boons to try to catch up. After each round, everyone is rewarded victory points based on how much glory they accumulated in that round. Let's start with the heart of the gameplay, the monster hunting. Brian, what character did you play as and how did you approach combat? Uh, I got to use the Nora. Which is essentially what Aloy is. It's not Aloy, but it's her tribe of people. Correct.
0: And with, with the Nora, it seemed like the main objective with the character was to be focused on taking components off of monsters. So you can either do direct damage to the monster themselves or monsters typically have about two to three different components. Um, as you damage these components, they come off. Um, you get glory for that. Sometimes you wind up actually getting resources for that, and um, more
1: importantly, it disables parts of what the monster can do.
0: Correct, correct. Because there are some some enemies that are going to have more armor based on what they have or a component, or some of their weapons are really aggressive. Uh, but that's how how the Nora kind of makes most of their bang for their buck. Um, and then as time goes on, they're just really good. It seems like at accumulating resources. It seems like that particular character class had that in spades over some of the others
1: definitely resources are an important part of this game joey Mm -hmm. you and i have now played this game
2: twice yeah what was your experience with the core monster hunting yeah i i think the the monster hunting is i think the monster hunting is really well done I didn't necessarily like this as a cooperative experience, though. Yeah, I um, was definitely
1: going to savage this on our next Talking Point.
2: Yeah, and
1: so... Well, let's talk about the two different classes that you played. Your first okay. game, you played as the Oseram Forge Master, a character gotcha. who fires up a lot of special effects, primarily fire. Did you enjoy that experience, or did you prefer your second playthrough as the Karja... Hunter.
2: Hunter. I think it's Karja Hunter. Uh... I, they, they both have their bonuses. I mean I did a lot better the second time. I don't know well, I, I, by the end I did a lot better the second time. Uh, and so the so the Forge master is interesting because of the weapon you have. So you have the trip caster if you if you played the games. So you're basically putting out the trip trip mines on the ground and trying to get you know enemies or monsters to run through them. And the the, the problem I ran into with him, is that I kept I kept struggling to get the right combination of cards at the right time in order to be able to manipulate the monsters to go into the trip wires and have them set up when they did that, and also because the other thing, you know, your heaviest hitting attacks are with your melee weapon for the for the Asuram. and and so you know it's all about trying to set up these traps to either push them into it with your attacks, uh, or to get them in, or or to get them to come at you. Um, through those traps, basically, and those traps put out fire, and so one of the mechanisms when I leveled up my character was all about maximizing however much fire I could put out there. Uh, With the Karja, she seems a lot more, a a little bit more well-rounded. Now, her weapon is the sling, um, is the sling uh, attack where you shoot, you're slinging bombs at enemies, so my character by the end was also all around maximizing, putting out different conditions, so getting either shock, um, uh, freeze, or fire out onto enemies or multiples of that. And you, might, kinda,
0: you had all three at times, and you yeah. were just shutting things down.
2: Yeah, because basically, I I doubled down on on my sling on my slingshot. I put a coil, a flame coil, and an ice coil onto it. In order to, basically, if I got a crit, I would pump out one of those. And so then if I was shooting with a shock bolt, the crit would also cause me to do shock. So, yeah, there was a couple of times like that one sawtooth near the end. I got all three of those out there. It's like, all right, guys, have fun. I can't do anything else to it. Um, and 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 so I, I think it, it felt like I had a little bit more control because that weapon had more range. Um, once I got the better sling, I was able to do even a lot more damage than two. Before that, it was just trying to put out whatever um, whatever things I could. If I were to pick one of them and play again, I probably would pick the Karja Hunter and mess around with some of the skills I chose. Um, if I had the choice, though, I'd probably play one of the other two just to sort of get an idea of how either the, uh, the Banuk or the Nora played. Um, even though I've seen the Nora played twice and you played as the Banuke the first time.
1: I did play as the Banuke the first time and it was a truly miserable experience. <laughs> they hunt with the bow and their main gimmick is putting Frost up and uh, I... I was never in the competition in the first game. I was yeah. never even close to competing. And part of that, a large part of that was my fault in not fully knowing the rules. There were uh, times when I should have been purchasing gear for cheaper and for earlier, and I should have had better gear than the rest of you. And another time where when you get attacked, you're supposed to dodge away, and maybe you're not the subject of the next attack. and I just stood in one spot, got pummeled, got knocked out, lost yeah. all my glory, and that essentially sealed the game for me before even the midway point. Uh, so I have very negative feelings toward the Banuk, and I will probably never play as them again.
2: Yeah. Well, so, and then going back for a second, like the problem I also ran into is that it didn't seem like, as the Osoram, I was ever able to put out enough damage in one turn to really get the benefit of the effects that I was putting out there. Um, I had a couple of monsters that I would get fire on them, and... As you level up, you could put, like, multiple, like, normally you can't put a status on uh, an enemy more than once, but the Osram can put fire out there because they're all about the flame, they're all about the forge. And, uh, like, there was one time I think I had two or three on a monster, I wasn't able, I was, like, the last person in the round, I wasn't able to get enough damage on it, so when it activated it died, and I got nothing to show for it. Um, and then the other thing that kind of crippled me the first time, and I think it hit you too a little bit, was I really got hit in one round when I was the leader. I got hit three times in a row where I didn't get any resources. Um, and then I also got a couple other ones where instead of getting resources, I just got glory for it, which was good. It was giving me you know a better chance at getting more victory points. But I desperately needed salvage in order to buy things because the stuff I had wasn't doing enough damage and I really needed to upgrade it. And there was just that was the hole I fell down. Meanwhile, Pat and Casey were just like mopping things up that first game. And then you had, you know, the round of ultimate hoarding. Where I don't even know how many shards you had, but you had more resources, I think, than I've seen anybody have at one time. It felt good.
0: It felt good. (laughs) I really, unfortunately, I had to kind of screw over the squad to get to that point. (laughs) Of course. And I finished dead last, so maybe the universe is just trying to even itself out.
1: So... (laughs) And looking at our second playthrough, I played as the Forge Master. that time. I really enjoyed that experience. I wasn't really concerned with killing monsters. I was all about firing up as much fire as possible and just trying to collect as much glory. I wound up winning this game and winning it handily because you guys wound up tying a couple of times, which meant no victory points for you. And I had this game this time, as opposed to being mathematically eliminated by the midway point, I had won by the midway point.
2: Yeah, yeah. There was really no chance, especially after, what was it, uh... I think it was the second-to-last round when I hampered you guys and you didn't get three of your cards and it took away, Brian, your strongest cards. Unfortunately, unfortunately yes. Unfortunately, uh, that was part of the catch-up mechanic on that one. Uh, that kind of sealed the deal for Tom for sure at that point, but it was already pretty much assured anyway
1: then. Uh, in both of our playthroughs, the leader won handily. Yeah. There's and something it, to be said for going first, I think.
0: And that might have to be a mechanic that, I don't know if there needs to be more tweaking to how that worked, but it was it was interesting because... And it might just be dumb luck. I had tied Joe two times, tied Tom once. And one of the two of those, I think I had about four glory when I tied with Joe both times. I think yep. I had five when I tied with Tom. Those are all rounds I got blanked. And 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 due to that, I had a half of points that I had gotten in the first round and nothing for the remainder of the game. Uh it was just incredible how that worked out. Yep.
2: Yeah, you had a raw deal. Yeah, and then I finished last the first time, so I got no points then. And then we tied for second the next two times. And then I won the last two once I finally got... I did win the last two, right? Yes. Yes. Because you had the
1: leader for the final hunt. Final final hunt, The last one. Yeah.
2: Because I just... ah, I I was rolling like crazy then, too. Like, that's... I mean, and that's... With dice games, that's how it's going to go. Sometimes you're going to roll really hot. Sometimes you're not going to. So it's... You can't really fault a game for that. But it does feel like, at times, the leader is a little bit strong of a position and then being the last person to go sometimes like eliminates what options you have to attack at especially in a four-player game there was times where it's like you know by the time it got around to me it was I, there was nothing really for me to do i did i could sprint at somebody and then try to shoot him once um but then there was other times where like you did all of the damage on a on a claustrader claustrader uh, yeah yeah Shell Shellcrawler. Yeah, shellcrawler. And uh, you did all the damage on him, and I was able to come in and mop it up and take all the salvage, all the victory points, and so, everything. So in a four-player game,
0: were you guys running into... Because I was thinking about this as we were playing. Taking off components is actually a pretty big portion of how the game works. If you were the last in that rotation, are your teammates stripping that, that machine pretty much down entirely? And as the, the time person you, who
1: often went last?
2: Yes.
0: yes. Oh, that would be so frustrating yeah. then.
2: Yeah, so like... So the first couple of people would strip off the easy things to take off, and then there's either enough damage for someone else to get the pot shot in. So by the time it gets around to the fourth person, they either have an easy kill or they're trying to get repositioned for the next round of dudes that are further down on the map. And in that, the, it's interesting with three and four player
1: games, everything is the same except the number of players. Yeah. The game is set up for one to two players play under this set of circumstances. At three to four, you play under this set of circumstances. So, Ryan, you had literally the same experience that we had playing in our first playthrough with four players. So it was just slightly less hunters, same amount of monsters.
2: Yeah. Which I think when we were talking about it after we finished the game, like we were just mowing things down that final scenario. And... Uh, you know, against like the two sawtooths, saw teeth, saw whatever, um, how, sawtooth
1: you know? monstrosities. Yeah.
2: Um, please tell us what the actual pluralization of sawtooth is, um, somebody out there. But, um, it, we were just clearing the floor with that a lot more than we did that first game. And so I think the, the only real difference is you just have a better chance at getting resources which means you're able to buy more things. Like everybody's able to buy more things. Whereas that first game, you and you and I, Tom, we couldn't buy anything. Really, my
1: loadout sucked. Yeah, I mean, everything about too, being can't. the Banuk survivor sucked.
2: Yeah, and so and so, but then. Casey and Pat had like everything. Like they were buying extra things just to see what else they could get. Casey was literally just throwing gear in the
1: garbage so that he could see what else would come up.
2: Yep. Yeah. When we were when we were purchasing gear now in the four player, did
0: you guys notice that there was more competition over certain resources? Because like when we were at predicting the merchant shop, we all kind of had our own category that we were going for, and nobody really... We didn't fight with each other about anything. Tom would try to get Tripcaster stuff. Um, I know that Joe was going for the bombs or, or, or the, the slings, and I was more focused on bows and arrows, yeah. and it didn't seem like we had a lot of overlay with, with scarcity in that regard.
1: With the Banook Survivor, they also use bows. So then the Survivor and the Nora Brave are both competing over arrows, but otherwise, no, there wasn't a lot of overlap for yeah. us.
2: Like The biggest thing in this game was I took a Flame Coil that you would have bought, and... Um, you know, and... Totally changed the outcome of the game. That's when you started charging back. Well, because... And at that point, also, you would have... Because that... So I... Because at that point, I, I knew I wanted to get things that would put elements out. Because that was the benefit of my, of my guy. And I partially bought the fire one because... I don't want you getting an extra thing every time you shot something or attacked it with something.
1: Fair. Good strategy.
2: Um, but also it was just like, once I was able to pair that with the freeze coil, it's just like, okay, I'm putting all these things out. And sometimes like you were able to get the benefit of the freeze coil because when a, when an I enemy, mean the enemy is frozen, it, it's armor is null for that first attack afterwards and so I set that up for you um, every now and again also yeah it would let me just kind of just drill something and that's kind of the goofiness
0: of some of the statuses it doesn't benefit you and I understand that this is a multiplayer supposedly (laughs) co-op game but there is a very strong competitive component to it Yeah, and there are certain classes that seem like a disadvantage because they're setting up the people after
1: them primarily Yeah, the Banuk Survivor is one their whole game is frost it's all frost and I in my heart of hearts I don't care about setting it up for the next player. Like I want to get in there. I want to maximize it.
2: I don't want to make it easier for someone else to swoop in and finish the kill. Yeah. And so that's where kind of like what we talked about before, maybe this is segueing into our next topic. It's, this is tricky as a, as a cooperative game because you're, you're trying to score the most points that you can, but some of the classes are definitely set up as more of a support. I'm helping everybody else do things better But then you're basically giving them victory points. And so at times, it's actually more to your benefit to be selfish. And so then at that point, is it really cooperative? Like we had the one round where, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to move this guy to try to set things up. And then it's like... And then Tom runs and grabs the loot. Tom runs and grabs the loot, and then Brian shoots the uh, resource container off the back of the shell walker and takes three resources, uh, plus, like, a couple others because you did the thing, and it's just like, okay, I guess I'm just sitting here doing nothing while you guys are getting all the benefits. <laughs> um, Thanks for setting us up, buddy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you got shot by the lightning gun, too. Like, it just Oh, me. no, I got all of the bad <laughs> in that round, like, but... I ended up, like, being the fledgling after that, and that benefited me in the long run because I ended up getting some stuff that really helped me the last two rounds. So. And
1: you did slingshot. You were in a position, if the game was longer, you probably would have overtaken me, but, like, I had it locked up by the midway point, and you winning those last two rounds, like, I guess I didn't really care at that point. I'm just like, all right, let's go shoot a monster. Let's go hit it with my hammer. yeah. Cooperative is too strong where This is not a cooperative game. No. Like they build it as a cooperative thing, but it is—it's just not. It's just too competitive with the resources. Like there's not yeah. enough resources to go around.
2: Yeah, especially when you're playing with more people. Like four players, like it, it was really tight trying to get. Like you really had to maximize. Um, you had to maximize what you could do on your turn to try to get resources because otherwise you're just not going to get them. Um, and the Nora, it's a lot easier for them to get resources. So then if they're doing that as well as killing things to get resources, like you just, you're just tripling down on that and, and moving so much further ahead than the other the other people are.
0: Um, I would say that my character class definitely was probably one of the strongest in the game, and I, I did not play it to the to the ability that it, it could have been played to at all as I was trying to figure out how the game worked. Well, you're in a um, difficult
1: position as a first-time player. Yeah. Like, there are 10,000 rules to this game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but Brent's, once, Brent's, once we kind of figured them out, though, you guys were great teachers, and we, we hummed along. I mean, there really wasn't too much downtime. We oh. heard that friend of the show, Casey, really dragged on the first-day experience. I heard that <laughs> repeatedly. Hope you're listening. Um,
1: but other than that... I mean, I thought it was pretty quick. <laughs> well, we played... The first playthrough took six hours. We started at 9 p.m. We played, I guess... It was Just so five hours. Five hours. We stopped around 2.30. 2 yeah, Ooh. so that took five hours. This one, we played from 9 a.m. until two thirty or 3.30 p.m.
2: But we had like an hour break for lunch.
1: Yeah, we stopped. We stopped, went, got burritos, came back, ate, drank a beer, had a good time. So, playtime sped up a little bit, but not a lot. Not a lot. And... There are so many things to keep track of here because there's so many things that you can do. It's really, it's not a very forgiving game for first-time players. No. And since it's not a cooperative experience, it's not something that I would welcome bring new players into because when yeah. I share a new game with someone, I want them to enjoy it.
2: Well, and because it's like the winner-takes-all aspect of it. Like, you have to get the kill in order to get the salvage and uh, the glory for it. And it, it's, And sometimes you're giving someone easy points when you don't fully like take care of something or you don't get rid of uh, uh, an, an area of their body that you're trying to get rid of, you know? Um, and so that makes it really difficult because then you feel bad because you don't get anything out of it and somebody else gets the benefit out of it. And then they become the leader and they're right after you, which means you're last the next time around. So it just, it makes it really tricky. Like one thing I was just thinking of, I wonder if it would get too confusing or not if, Every round, you alter, or not every round, but every like turn throughout each round, you bounce the other way that the order goes. So if it's the three of us playing and I'm the leader, it goes to Brian, then to Tom, then to me. Then the next round, it's me, then Tom, then Brian. And it like bounces back and forth that way so that someone's not always last and someone's not always like second. Like, granted, the leader is still first because it incentivizes the leader maybe too heavily. Um, but well, if the leader gets to choose the scenario. I think what would be a better mechanic is if the
1: leader token just rotates.
0: True, if, that like, makes the most. Whoever is the most,
1: maybe whoever has the most victory points chooses the scenario. But like, it's not a leader token; it's like first strike token. Right. I think that would have balanced it quite a bit better.
0: And just one more disadvantage for that person going last is that when the animals, or the animals, the machines go into their alert phase, it's the last person that I think had an action attacking them. They lock onto. So not only are you the last one to go, you've now drawn aggro from everybody on the board. And it's like, oh, come on, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that can be brutal. We've talked a lot about uh, the salvage cards. As you battle monster, you earn these salvage cards. In between rounds, you can spend that salvage to buy new gear. You essentially have a main ranged weapon, a secondary ranged weapon, melee armor, or melee weapon, armor, ammo, and upgrades. Brian, did you enjoy upgrading your character's gear as the Nora Brave, you had a lot of resources.
0: I thought that was probably the most fun, was getting that new piece of gear, because some of these are, I had gotten an ability in the game, there's there's kind of three tiers, right? The starting tier, then there's like your mid tier, and then there's your high tier. So, um, there's three levels essentially to the items that you can get, and I was able to get something early on that let me skip almost right away in the game to the third tier items, and Plus, I was
1: blowing things up. <laughs> yeah. And as the Nora Brave, you had the resources to purchase those items. If Joey or I had had that
2: same card that
1: let us skip to a different merchant, it would have been a far less benefit.
2: Well, plus he was the fledgling that round, so he got the first thing he purchased for free also, which really helped him maximize what you could get on that one. It was
0: bonkers because at one point I was getting salvage for every single glory point that I got. I was getting salvage for any time that you guys killed something. And then I had also kind of gone rogue and started destroying things that were worth a lot of salvage so at one point. I
1: probably had close to 20 resource. Yeah, you had at least 20 which was resource absurd. cards. Yeah. And so you had all this resource, you had this top tier gear before Joy and I even had access to it, and you finished dead last. So would you say you're just terrible at games, or uh, how would you break down?
0: I'd say I definitely didn't figure out how the meta of this thing worked until late stage, where I'm like, man, there's really no way I can come out of this hole. <laughs> also, getting zero points for three rounds yeah. in a row was enough to do me in pretty, pretty thoroughly um but the the gear was fun um you do feel more powerful and you get the more high-end gear and by the time that we had gotten to the end all of us were outfitted pretty aggressively with level three tier stuff we weren't afraid of these end bosses in any capacity yeah. they have almost double the life of anything we would encountered and we shredded them
2: it was incredible uh so a tale of two games then i got that same card where i could go to a different vendor um that, that you got I got it. I had no resources. I had, like, no hope. We were in the third tier item shop at that point when I got that item. I had to go back to the first tier just so I could afford something. (laughs) That's how pathetic my first playthrough was. (laughs) That
1: that was a little rough go.
2: It was a little rough. I I mean, we both struggled that first time. Yeah, You came back a little bit at the end, I think think I
1: was never even in it. You never got resources though. That entire game yeah. like you're completely hamstrung because you just you kept firing up fire and like maybe yeah. you got glory, maybe you didn't. I don't know, but I know you didn't get resources. When yeah. you did draw resources, you got really terrible luck. That would be so frustrating
0: because you need those upgrades to really do anything late stage. So that <clears throat> that yeah. Uh, that
2: I mean, would just be so frustrating. It, it, <sighs> and it really get got to the point where those last two like times through the shop Tom and I would just sit there and twiddle our thumbs as Casey and Pat would buy stuff because we had no resources. We we bought like one thing we could afford, and then it's like pass, pass, passes. <laughs> those guys just cool. I got some arrows. Yeah, sweet. Exactly. As those guys just buy out the shop, trying to find what's next, what's next. And I've so, played
1: this game twice now. I've never had a weapon on my head.
2: <laughs> I, I haven't either. Because, well, because we were talking about that too. When you have when you have the tripcaster or the sling, something that doesn't use arrows. Half of the items that go on the head also shoot arrows, and so either you're going to have to jettison some of your ammo for your main weapon, or you're going to have to jettison some of your like skill cards, which which are like the meat and potatoes of what make your character your character, in order to be able to have some arrows to shoot with that bow, and it's just you just can't do that, so then your only option is to get one of the rattlers, but then you're discarding a card in order to shoot the thing, which, you know, in a pinch helps, but... At some point, you're just like... And I, and I know that they make your melee weapons stronger for those characters to balance that out. But I I, I just don't know if it's a, an entire... I don't know if it helps as much as it should or not. Um, but then again, you ran away with it. So it must have done well enough. <laughs> and, the, and the RNG can make things worse. At one yeah. point,
0: I had... I want to say four or five arrows in my hand and one like ability card. I'm like, oh man,
2: I gotta figure this out because like I yeah. can't do anything. It's like I'm gonna shoot and uh, that's my turn. Thank you. Well, and <laughs> I mean, and that's part of the. I, I guess that's part of the fun of this game. Like a lot of card based games is is when do you just dump cards to draw new ones, right? And and I I kept like I have these abilities. I really like these abilities. And granted, I know I could get them back by crafting and pulling three cards back because that's how you kind of heal in this game, but. Uh, It's just like, I can't dump this card because I could really use it. And so, I i mean, I was sitting there for a while with no ammo, too, because I have all these abilities, so I'll just keep trying to hit things and hopefully not get pounded too badly back when I'm stuck by them, you know? It's funny, it's
1: the RNG that won this game for me, because early on, I got very lucky, and in my first few hands, I got my attack that added fire, and I got, like, my fire ammo. So I was able to get my two glory points every turn for most turns, and that was enough to lock up the game early on.
0: Yep. You were a machine, because at
2: times you were getting two, three points of glory points, per turn yeah. it was incredible. without killing anything well and one of the differences like that you had is you did get crits which are allowing you to get fire out on things more often and you got those searing strikes a lot which i know i could never get that card ouch i could never get that card to pop up and so that was one of the other struggles i had as the osurum um was being able to proc that ability as much as i could even though i like quadrupled down into trying to make that my my gimmick
1: so i feel like i got super lucky as the osurum and i won this game and i'm you guys suck. I rule. <laughs> That's great, but I feel like it was a primarily luck based win, not anything that I did on my end. I feel like without that luck, the cardio would have run away with it again.
0: Uh, I think without the ties, it would have been a closer game. Yeah, because I think Joe would have. Joe towards the back end would have been in a much better place to kind of overtake. Yeah. I was. I think I would have been bone regardless. Well, um, yes but, or
2: no? Like I, I seriously think if you would have had your better arrows that second to last game and you were still in it. Like things play differently at that point too, because then you're not like, okay, well, what can I do here? Or I, you know, I'm hit this thing with a wet noodle, and that's all I can do. Um, so I think, you know, all those things kind of play into it. And I mean, you did still use skill to maximize getting fire out there to get those points. Ah, thanks, mean, buddy. I mean, so you, there was still some aspect of skill. It wasn't. It wasn't entirely RNG to be able to like make happen what happened i did feel
1: bad one uh one downfall of this game is like when you have your hand of cards you're trying to figure out at least with the awesome trying to figure out your best combo i had some long turns i'm real cognizant of that because it's not a lot of fun for everyone else sitting around the table when i'm like how do i get the most out of this because like you can't draw your hand and plan your turn ahead of time yeah um so i i felt like i really slowed down the pace of play which I feel bad about, but I won, which makes me feel good. <laughs> to, to be honest, from
0: from my vantage point, I didn't feel like you had slowed it down that much. I I really didn't think the the hardest thing for us was the amount of status tokens that you have to be throwing out from alerts to health to what is it on fire? Is it freezing? Are haven't shocked it. Yeah. It just,
1: yeah. <laughs> We're always digging around trying to craft tokens and yeah. throw them at the board <laughs> everything was so neat and tidy when you guys sat down i should have taken a picture of the token pile at the end it's just a big pile yes. i have one more thought on the uh, upgrade system the gear i don't think it's a perfect system like they there's a method to it you lay out so many pieces and there's so there's a little bit of randomness to it there's only one weapon one armor a couple ammo a couple other things out at a time and if you don't use that particular item you you pass and you hope that somebody else buys it and gets something else to draw on. I think yeah. I feel like it'd be a better game if it was like Gloomhaven and that whole level one deck was just available and you could yep. buy whatever you wanted. But then there's the two characters that use bows and that is probably why they had to mm-hmm. do it this way. It's unfortunate.
2: It's it well and that just it takes so much time to cycle through cards to get the one card that you should flip up next when you're running the shop too. So it's just it's a little cumbersome. Like if they could come up with a little bit better, better mechanism for that, but it'd just also, be so much better.
1: There's also five different categories of things, so then you don't want to do separate
2: decks for five different categories. Three different, right? Like a mess too. It's it's yeah. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to try to solve. I think. It's a sticky wicket, as they oh, say. Oh, <laughs> Boy, governor. <laughs>
1: My other thought, there aren't a lot of ways to upgrade your melee weapon. I was able to upgrade mine in this one, but that was through leveling up. I had to use my third and final level up to get a sweet
2: hammer. I don't believe there's another way to level up your melee weapon. You can't buy them, so the only way would be to put coils on them to give you extra abilities or extra damage that way. Or I know for sure the Oseram and the Karja have have an extra hammer that you can get at the bottom of your skill tree. Um, I do like the way the skill trees are because it means that you have to make a decision at one point that locks out things down the line. It's not like the games where you can basically get everything unlocked uh, by the time you're done playing. There is a definite choice. Yeah. And I, I like that because I, and it feels like the choices actually do make differences into how the character plays. And I don't, there's some ways I think that, I I don't think that either way is the best way to necessarily do that with a given character. At least with the two that I've played, um, and I think a lot of it kind of match or comes down to how it meshes with like how you like to play. Also, um, for the record, I would like to play as the Nora and have all that salvage. That would make me very
1: happy.
0: <laughs> I will say the thing. It's clear that they did some pretty aggressive play testing with this because as a Nora, you had to make a decision as early as level two. The, the two most powerful looking abilities that Nora has, one is that scavenger. It lets you, anytime something is killed, you get scavenged. But on the bottom left tree, which if you take scavenge, you likely cannot get there now. You've gone, you pushed too far to the right to get all the way to the bottom left. That's in a double attack ability on the bottom. So it makes a decision real early on. Hey, yeah. if you want to do this to make this mid-game a lot easier for you, you lose this crazy awesome ability on the back end. And but, I thought that was actually a pretty cool caveat.
1: But you use that double attack ability. Though. Virtuoso? Nope. Virtuoso is a, a separate
0: one? thing there's one that's just a straight up double attack
1: oh Oh. and that's
0: because of the virtuoso you can double attack but you have to do it between two separate entities this thing lets you attack one enemy twice which is a stupid amount of damage depending on what you're shooting for a
1: bow
2: yeah yeah wow that's cool and so yeah and so so then it's because then it's that it's that cognizant decision is am i going to just try to do scavenging and buy my things or am i really going to Go down this path of just trying to maximize how I attack, Um, which I think is cool. And there's, there's stuff in the middle to kind of mix and match a little bit to kind of blend both worlds a little bit if you wanted to go through the middle of it. And I think from what I've seen of how like the different characters played that we've played so far, I mean, I think that there's valid ways to play it all the way through there. Um, And so I, I think that's one thing that's, that's that i really liked about it were the skill trees and, and how you level your character up leveling up was cool
1: i haven't played a ton of games with a true leveling system that might be where this game shines
2: burns do any other come to mind to you where you particularly like the leveling system like gloomhaven really the only thing but that's obviously over a much larger period of time where you're gaining your new cards and you're you're gaining new perks on your cards And so there's like those couple of different ways that you're leveling up your character and showing that progression. Um, I I recall with the Bloodborne game, I recall liking that system, but it's been so long since we played
1: it that I can't really put my finger on how that was implemented. I remember you collected souls, you spent
2: souls. Yeah. You
1: collected echoes,
2: you spent echoes. That was much more like an economically advancing by buying new abilities and things like that. I can't remember to what extent... Cause did you just send spend souls to buy new abilities? And you had certain amounts of slots to put abilities onto your trick weapon? It was something like that. Maybe. Possibly. I, don't remember. I can't remember. I it's just sure remember Tom didn't you was here? it Tom
0: that bought the cannon that hurt everybody every time he fired it?
1: That doesn't sound like
2: me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some other guy.
2: <laughs> he sure did that.
1: Well, wasn't that the uh card game?
0: That might have been the card game. Yeah, I
1: think it was the card game with the gun that hurt everyone. So I guess leveling up is a real high point of the Horizon Zero Dawn board game. Was that the best aspect of this game? Did anything else stand out, Burns? I look to you again as our resident board game expert.
2: Ultimately, I, I think one of the other real big strengths is this. This game did a really good job of mirroring kind of how you approach combat in the in the in the video game and how you're, you're targeting different pieces and how that can be strong. And I think it does a really good job of representing that combat in the
1: game. And for a game in the Horizon Zero Dawn video game, for a game that gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility for how you tackle different encounters, that's a
2: remarkable achievement. Yeah. The, the the big difference is you're, you're a little bit more hampered as to how many weapons you have. Like when you're Aloy, especially in Forbidden West, you can have six weapons on your weapon wheel. I mean, you've got tools for everything whereas in this you're a lowly hunter you're not as special as aloy so you're a little bit more specialized into the weapon that you can kind of use um but you can still customize yourself by making the right choice purchases whether it's through coils or whether it's through that you attach to your weapons or buying new weapons um to to try to to get better at those things so you maybe don't have as many tricks in your toolbox as she has but being able to target different pieces of the machines when you take certain things off That either removes the shields down a little bit for the enemy, or it's going to remove an attack or make an attack weaker for the enemy. Like, that's something that mirrors how the video game works. And I think that that's something that they did that was really cool with this game.
0: That game, the game franchise itself, is really good at helping you feel like a hunter. You have to understand what you're hunting and how it can hurt you. And that if you can strip away its abilities, it makes these things a lot easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just overpower a lot of different things. The game really did nail that. Yeah. Hey, look, this, once you get hit with that lightning gun once, you don't want to get hit with that <laughs> lightning gun again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take that thing off now. Yeah. And that that
1: was, that again, it, it's making you have to understand your quarry. So you're saying you got hit by the cargo container? Is that why you became such an enemy of the cargo container? I hit that thing
0: like a freight train. And the part was, at that point, I was stupid wealthy at that point, and I killed the other one for more. <laughs> it was just pure greed at that point. It really was. Well, Brian, what was the best aspect of this game for you? I think it was it was just that there's a lot of flexibility on how you want to approach the combat, like where do I want to go, how do I want to attack, watching, you guys had a, a higher understanding of kind of the understanding of some of those mechanics, it was fun to watch your characters late game absolutely dump all these status ailments on these things, they can't move, they're on fire, somehow they're frozen at the same time, which doesn't make any sense, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's sparking, it's like, it's like, holy crap, you guys are just absolutely decimating these things, but But it was nice to see once you guys kind of figured out your synergies, um, it was fun to see that this can be played at a pretty high level.
1: For me, this game was at its most fun. The best aspect of this game was when you're chucking dice to take down these enemies and then upgrading your gear to chuck more dice because there's three different dice you can use in the game. And it's fun to get different combinations of dice and to just feel your power grow as you start throwing more and more.
2: I think the economy is handled relatively well. Um, it's maybe difficult in the larger game, like we were talking about to get resources, but like you have to make conscious decisions as to, okay, do I spend these two shards to buy a chill water to buy this? Or do I just buy two coils instead? Like what's going to benefit me more? How do I spend my resources on these things? I think everything was costed in an appropriate way. Um, to 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 really make it a meaningful decision with that also so yeah i'd agree with that on the flip side where did this game struggle brian
1: we'll start with you
0: i think a couple of different areas one we already had the discussion about the the advantage the leadership role gets to take um you get a lot of first shots at things and you also get cleanup duty on the back end of some other things which can kind of put those that are already behind you even farther in the rear view um I think some of the other struggles too when it comes to how the game works is when you're looking at, when you're looking at, say, some of the salvages, um, and again, it can be just RNG. Some of the salvages are, are worth very little. <laughs> I don't think we ever actually pulled a heart out at a time we killed something, correct? Um, Mine
1: was on an extra looting thing.
0: Yeah. So uh, there's, there's pieces to that. Um, And I also think that if you are dealing with two separate characters that are vying over the same weaponry, I think that would be a disadvantage as well. Um, So I I had a really good time with it. I think we wound up choosing a group that wound up being really balanced for a three-player game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I really enjoyed it because by the end of the game, yeah, I was behind, but man, we had gotten so much more powerful that we were one-shotting things and just kind of laughing about it. Um, so there's there's some, probably some competitive tweaks that could be done for sure, um, but it's it was still worth playing.
2: Well, like at the end, after we killed the, the two Sawtooths, and you just like rampage over the last two Striders with your last two I didn't tacks. let them, I the game was over, and I'm like, no,
0: I'm like, let me use these things I bought and I never used, and we just stomped these poor machines <laughs> into the ground.
2: Oh, that wasn't a we use yeah i I softened one of them up a little bit like i whiffed on my attack and did like a damage to it and you just freight train yeah you one shot the other one that was great (laughs) that was great so for me like i think the shopping was one of the things that especially the first game we played and maybe it was because it was late at night and i couldn't participate in it but it just seemed like it took forever and it was one of those things. Is where Is there anyone
1: in particular that you'd like to blame for it taking forever?
2: Well, I mean, Kat, throw a little shade. Pat and Casey both were like just because they had all the resources, so they were shopping forever because they wanted to try to get the best items that they could. Which at that point, why not just have have some sort of mechanism where everything's out there, and then you know, if more more than one person wants it, have them do an auction instead, maybe uh instead of this idea. weird thing where you're just constantly flipping up cards to find what's next and then like like we ran into today when we bought all the ammo at the third level merchant and it's just like okay I flipped through the entire deck there's only the blast <laughs> <laughs> like string left Huzzah. that's it uh you know I can flip through them again we're not going to get another one I that was
1: so frustrating that first playthrough I agree with you I agree yeah. with you completely I'm partially because it was late Partially because it took a long time, but also because we were out of it. We yeah. were not competitive in that game, yeah. and it, like we were just running out the clock, and it took ages. Yeah, ages. So you're
0: saying that one Brian is greater than the sum of Pat and Casey combined? <laughs> I'm not
1: sure how that math works out.
0: You had more fun with me. You take away Pat yeah. and Casey. Yeah, that's true.
1: I did have a lot more Bam! fun with this game with you. Yeah,
0: addition by subtraction.
1: Just <laughs> yeah. throwing that out there.
2: All right. Well, I uh, Casey Patrick. Goodbye forever. And to talk about shopping also, the one other thing I'll say, because um, we kind of talked about, you know, would we play this again? How much would we actually play this? It's like the expansions for this game, there's so many expansions, and they're 60 to $80 a piece. Some of those, all you get is one model, a tile or two, and then the Hunter's Path cards to get to that model. And it's like, sure, it would be fun to fight a Thunderjaw and see that massive model, But is it sixty dollars worth of fun to I'll answer that. That.
1: For me, no. Yeah. I would I would play this game again if somebody else was buying the stuff. Like we've talked on air a number of times about how frugal I am with my gaming. For me, this game is not worth the investment. I got the base game on super sale, so I'm content. I'm happy with that. We've had fun with it. We played it. It's not just sitting in plastic wrap on my shelf. That's great, wonderful. But I'm not. I'm not paying full price for anything else. I'm certainly not paying sixty dollars for an expansion for one more big bad to fight. Can
0: you please bring up what you bought this for, though? I thought that you got such an incredible deal on this thing. I think it was
1: like thirty or forty
0: bucks. And it runs retail at what was it? Hundred. It's eighty to a hundred. Yeah. Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a good deal. It was a Thanksgiving Day sale from a board game store in uh New York that has an online store. And
0: that, that was I think that's absolutely worth 30 to 40 bucks, right? Yeah. The experience that we oh, had, yeah. how many hours that was, that was absolutely worth the, the price to pay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Burns and
2: I put us all 12 hours into this game. Yeah. Brian, you put six. And and some of the other expansions like add new character classes that you can play as. So I think there's one that's there's one around each of the tribes. So there's a Frozen Wilds one for the Banuke. There's uh one for the Karja, there's one for the Osarum, and there's one for the Nora, where you get two more classes for those characters. So like those are probably worth the sixty to eighty dollars that they are, because you also, I think you also get at least one enemy type, like a smaller enemy type, that you go that you have in there too. And so, I don't know, some of that stuff might be worth it, um, especially if it's on sale. But yeah, that's the other thing, is just if if you if you have that problem where you're like, Oh, I want everything. It's going to cost you a real pretty penny to get everything. You're probably better off just buying the DLC for the video game and getting your Horizon fixed that way because it's a much better <laughs> investment to your money.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And that's hard because like, I want the developers to make their money back. Yeah. I want them to be rewarded for this because it's a good experience, but it's just not something that I can buy into. Yeah. I had one more thought on this game. It's, it's just not cooperative. Yeah. It's not. It's... It, being in last place in one game and being in first place the entire second game, it feels impossible to catch the leader. Like, that first game was just brutal because I was never in it. And, like, you know, I get that I'm not going to win every game. And, like, I get frustrated and I get pissy when I lose. <laughs> but it, there's a difference between losing and being beaten and, like, never being competitive. Yeah.
2: Well, and that first game was kind of the same way, too. Like, I had that one really good round. And so it was like, oh, okay, it's between it's between Pat and Burns. That's, that's, what, it, that's what it is. And then I had that one terrible round and then it was just at that point it was like, okay, one more round and Pat like ran. Pat, I think Pat had the victory going into the last thing because Casey didn't even have a chance really, right? Yeah. I forget forget
1: when you were all knocked out. I was knocked out after the third round. With two rounds left, I was mathematically eliminated from winning. So I tried, (laughs) I actually tried to throw the game towards you and I wound up being more of a hindrance than I was a help.
2: That's true. I do remember that too. Which happens, it happens.
1: Yeah.
0: If, if it wasn't for the fact, again, there's some inherent mechanics that make the person in the lead already have a little bit more of an advantage, I think that just makes it harder. I think if you could even address it like the way you said, Tom, with just a rotation of the leadership, that would have made a lot more sense.
1: Yeah. yeah, having that first attack is crucial. Any other thoughts on the Horizon Zero Dawn board game? Overall, positive experience. For people who love Horizon and want to play a board game, no, yeah. no, I think you have to be, like, really into a tactical action-style board game and have an affinity for yeah. the source material. And some time to go
0: over that rule set, because, my <laughs> lord, it's the, it's a small book. I'm not joking on that instruction manual. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's or pages. You guys played before me. <laughs> Thank and, you.
2: <laughs> and no real index, like, that's kind of a rough thing for a, a, a book that's laid out the way that that is. It's always tricky to try to find a rule quick when you're looking for something that you're just not a hundred percent sure of, and they have stuff on the back as like a quick reference guide, but not everything's on the back in the quick reference. And so yeah, that that, that was it's it's a meaty it's a meaty rule set that's for sure. Um, I mean, the minis look really cool, especially like all of the monster minis are awesome. If you're a huge fan of the machines, it might be worth. You know, to buy that, especially if you want to, like, try to paint or anything like that. Like, it might be worth it for you if that's something that you were really interested in. Um, yeah. I, otherwise, I did have fun. Like, both times, even when I was getting... Like, even when I had no shot, I got frustrated at times the first game. Um, but I still had fun, and I definitely had fun today playing through it, so...
1: I had less fun the first game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Joe, a Joe is the best experience. of us.
0: He was committed to the cooperative aspect... As long as he could. And then as Tom and I stepped on his head, put his face in the mud as we leapt to our own glory. Um, Sorry,
2: buddy. Hey, I I got my fulfillment by just wiping the floor with those two sawtooths at the end. And then, like, getting attacked by them, like, with some hefty attacks and, like, only taking two damage total from, like, all the, the couple of attacks I took from there, from them, was pretty awesome, so. Yeah, that was sweet. Good game.
1: Best for tactical action fans.
2: I'm gearing up to move to a new apartment here in a couple of months and it's giving me flashbacks to my last move five years ago where my, my roommate and I drove to Dallas, Texas, packed and loaded all of my crap, loaded up a U-Haul trailer, still filled an entire dumpster of crap I had no room for or no longer needed and drove and drove all of that stuff back all in just 50 hours I honestly felt like I had played full contact football for days afterwards with sore muscles and a strained back from lifting too many awkward things up and down too many flights of stairs in all the wrong ways. If I end up making some of those same painful mistakes this time, what can I do for relief and recovery? You can check out Premier Health. They have
1: solutions for back pain. Neck pain, car accident, moving-related injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Doctor Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. Brian, anything you'd like to add for advice for our friend when he's moving? Hire someone else to do it. <laughs> That's what I'm
2: doing. This That's time. what I'm telling you <laughs> right now, I'm now doing my guys. That's it.
1: <laughs> Before we get into our final segment on Horizon Forbidden West. We are going to play two truths and a lie. This is Brian's special thing. He runs this game for us. He's going to read us three statements. Two of them will be true, and it's up to Joey and me to determine which one is the lie. You guys ready? I'm absolutely
0: ready. Now, here's the question. I know Tom just wants to win. Now, is it (laughs) both of you as your independent team? So do you have to give me your answer that you agree upon? Because we've done this a couple different ways. One where it's like a team guessing thing. Or it's one where it's an individual one. So which one do you guys want it to be?
1: Well, uh, you're the one who sets the tone here, and you set us on those divided paths. So we're gonna look to you two. Okay,
0: so I decide. say you each give me your own individual answers, because okay. this gives the ability for Tom to lose of his own accord, with no one to blame but his own
2: poor thinking. So so it's cooperative, like Horizon. The board exactly, game. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's exactly. <laughs> we're like together it. against each other yeah. to the death. All right, so here's what we're gonna do.
0: Um, as always, I'm going to be reading, uh, three statements. So we've got five rounds total. Each round consists of three statements. Um, one is incorrect, two of them are true, and it's up to our contestants here to figure out, uh, which one is the lie. I'm gonna win. We'll find out. Like I said, you one time on Castlevania dominated this thing. I'm just here to have fun. Joe's here just to be cooperative <laughs> and, uh, hopefully have not Tom drag him down. Because it's always great when Tom's trying to tell someone that the lie is true, and he convinces them that. He did that to Billy last show. So
1: <laughs> Billy won. It's fine. It's all good for him. He did it
0: <laughs> at the end. Except that's not you. You lost. Don't forget that. Tom lost. <laughs> lost. So, now we're going to start with round one. All right. Round one. Question or statement number one. Uh, Aloy became the second digital character to, to ever grace the cover of Vanity Fair. And again, if you guys need me to repeat anything, please just ask. Horizon uses the Decima engine, which became popular with Guerrilla Games prior's uh, release, Killzone: Shadow Fall.
1: Hey, remember when you crapped all over that game on the last time you were on the show? I didn't crap all over. You Killzone? crapped all over. He said it no, was the worst thing. FPSs. I like
0: FPSs.
2: I never said Killzone was bad. No, we'll go back to the team. I just Killzone didn't with say that it fashion. was really all that great of a game. Tom's gonna edit that in and insert it right here. Okay, continue. All right. Oh, you just lied to everybody. Yeah, you know, you know that he's mailing
0: this whole episode in. <laughs> He didn't even hit. His, he didn't even record. This is just us talking. The <laughs> uh, final statement is: Tiny Tina and Aloy share the same voice actress, Ashley Birch.
1: Do you have any knowledge on this? I I feel like Aloy and Vanity Fair could be believable because I can't think of many other strong female protagonists. So, if nothing else, I want to believe that one's true. So I'm leaning towards that as one of the truths. Do you know for sure which one is the lie? I know.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive I know which one's the lie.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go after Burns then. I a doesn't even <laughs> share it. He just glares <laughs> right at Tom and
2: keeps it to his chest.
1: Oh, yeah, well, we should have uh, recorded on a day when all we right. hadn't just played this so, game and you weren't so salty, my Tom, friend.
0: Tom, what, what do you think is the lie?
1: Read them all again.
0: Okay. Aloy became the second digital character to ever grace the cover the of The engine Vanity one's Fair. the lie.
1: Number two's the lie.
0: Okay. number two is a lie. Incorrect, both of you. Oh, really? Decimate Engine was... Killzone. Yep, okay. absolutely. Which is so. Which is the lie then? The lie is Aloy became the second digital character to first? ever grace. Yep, she uh, was the first ever.
2: That was the one thing I was. wondering. She was
0: the first ever. Gotcha. Which was which was pretty cool. Um. Well,
1: good for you, Aloy. I'm not
2: even mad about that. <laughs> well, you, I'm mad about that. I I'm <laughs> Just super somewhere. supportive. Good for you. Because I knew she was on the cover of Vanity Fair, but I didn't know. Okay. That yep. was the lie. Was yep the first, was the first the first
0: ever out of the video game <laughs> median to take the take the cover, which is yeah. pretty crazy.
2: So I probably should play. So okay i've played what 50-ish hours in the last like two months of horizon zero dawn now 25-ish hours of horizon forbidden west i've also watched the first season and a half of mythic quest which ashley birch is also on and so i probably should play tiny the tiny tinas now so that i just it's just ashley burst birch month in my
0: life make sure you go through hey ash what you playing Um, those those ones are still funny to watch the
2: whole category catalog
1: burns you'd like tiny tina
2: Probably I don't know I kind of was annoyed with some of the stuff in uh, Borderlands Three but I might like it we'll yeah, see she no.
0: first showed up in two even actually yeah. she goes way back oh, yeah. but her brother was one of the writers yes. Ashley Burch that's yeah. how she got the interview or the uh, the audition should I say okay so both boys are uh, they're blank so far so we got round two yeah hey, out
1: of a septic I'm all blanks all the time dude Woo-hoo.
0: that's a bit of medical, personal information, so here we go. Uh, Horizon has strong musical ties to Assassins, the Assassin's Creed franchise. Arrows, when fired into the water in Forbidden West, will float with the tip down, indicating increased weight. And the graphics engine, Decima, was made in conjunction with Bungie Studios.
1: I feel like there's two lies this time. Burns, would you like to share any information this time? Or uh, we completely uh, I, don't isolation inside
2: inf- I don't have any real inside information on this one. What's the first one again? I forgot the first one.
0: Horizon has strong musical ties to Assassin to the Assassin Creeds franchise. Okay.
1: Um So they're either tied to Assassin's Creed or they're tied to Bungie.
2: Yeah, I I'm going to say I'm going to say that the third one is a lie because in my, and maybe I'm giving up, maybe I'm giving up too much information or whatever. And Tom's just going to glob onto it, whatever. This is cooperative. (laughs) Um, but Bungie didn't really have any like work. I think at the time Decima would have been created. Then Bungie would have been a Halo or a a Microsoft studio. So I really wouldn't think that they would be, I really wouldn't think that they would be working with them. So
1: I'm, uh, I'm going to go in a different direction in the hopes that one of us gets one of these, right. I'm going to say that the music is not tied to the Assassin's Creed franchise.
0: Final answers?
1: Final answers. Depends, Tom's wrong right? again. Oh, I should have glommed on with 0 for Burns. 2. You
0: should have. Burns yeah. is correct. He got it. Um, actually, here's the goofy thing. Uh, the graphics engine Decima was made in conjunction with Kojima yep. Studios, famous for the Metal Gear Solid franchise. That
1: yep. makes more sense. Yep.
0: Um, Horizon has a strong musical tie to the Assassin's Creed franchise because the Flights, which is a band that's done a lot of this music for uh, the Assassin's Creed, did help with Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. And then arrows, when fired in the water, will float with the tip down, indicating weight. That's one of the few little, um, just graphical details that the game has. So yeah, yes. actually, it's it's there. It's just crazy that they were that focused on the detail work they were doing.
2: Yeah, because Kojima Productions used Decimate Engine for Death Stranding.
0: Yep, and actually, there's there's some Death Standing. Um, That's
2: why all the little X's are the same.
0: And mm-hmm. huh. Horizon, I want to say, or for or so Forbidden West or Zero Dawn, one of them has you can get like Stranding dolls. So they uh they are a nod to that. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Burns, why are you so bad? They want me to lose this game. Cause
2: this is cooperative.
0: I don't think Burns has to do anything. You're just sinking under your own weight. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Brian and Burnsie. What's happening to us?
0: Oh, that's just life. Burnsie's doing one. He's he's one for one. He's one he's for two. Yeah, one for two. two. He's batting yeah. five hundred. Yeah. yeah. That's,
2: that's you. Know what that's, you're
0: that's batting? Good. Zero. Yeah. Three of them in a row. Let's see yeah, if you can two get to let's see
2: if you can get it's to the Mendoza so line here. Maybe, oh no, right? it's
1: as many as I want.
2: So have <laughs> <No, you've> uh, <laughs> only read two so
1: far. That's a fact. You didn't read more or less than two. You read two.
0: <laughs> Round three. Alright, here we go. Uh, with a budget of hundred and ten million euros, Horizon Forbidden West is the most expensive media to ever come out of the Netherlands. Number one's food. a
1: lie. I'm out.
0: Okay. Two. If you look closely, machines have the logo of the cauldron they were manufactured and uh, printed on them. And then three, there was a romantic plotline involving Aaron that had to be ultimately thrown out due to time constraints.
2: Uh, we talk, Which game are we talking about? For
1: this will be for, <coughs> Forbidden West.
2: Okay. For both of two and three. Yeah. So.
1: And I know why mine's alive, but I'm not going to tell you, Burns. How does that feel?
2: That's fine. Um, I'm going to go with the Aaron stuff because. If anything, most of the romantic energy in the game has been shipping Aloy with the female characters, is the impression that I've gotten. And Burns, if I can talk you
1: out of this, I feel like, granted, I haven't played the first game, and I've played 30 like 5 hours of the second game. I feel like Aaron's romantic intent is there. Like his intent there. His intent is there and I feel like it was explicitly <clears throat> written so that Ale wouldn't share that intent. So right. I feel like it was a deliberate thing
2: that But then why would they why would they spend time to develop an Air- Arend a romantic storyline than if they like went through the effort in the first game to show that Aloy was not entertaining it in any way, shape, or oh, form. Oh, yeah. So, that so that's what the, I'm going with.
1: Yeah. That one's the line. I've already cast mine in stone. Great. Yep. Terrific. Awesome. Did I win?
2: Uh, Joe
0: is
1: correct. Oh my god! Tom is 0 for 3. I had it. The reason that I chose the one that I did (coughs) it was such a specific number you have a tendency in these games to be just a little bit off in a number that the number is close enough Mm -hmm. to be believable like the second character to be on the cover of I took that into
0: consideration on this question because I figured that I, I do enough number questions, even going back to our old Zelda speedrun ones, that I'll tweak numbers, and I took that into consideration for this one. Yeah,
1: well, I tried to, like, meta game you, and I failed, so well played, Brian.
0: is kind of crazy, though, that there's no movie out of the Netherlands that would exceed 110 million euros? Not that that's a small number, right? At all. I just but
2: don't I, know of many Dutch creators that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, that that's the one thing where it was just like, I mean, I don't know, there's not a lot of stuff that's probably come out of Holland because it's just... Probably not huge that way. I mean, there's the movie in Bruges, which I really like, but that didn't make box office You're so, so money much more culture than was, me. It's amazing. I don't even think that was... Uh, that's probably an American film. It was just filmed in, in Bruges, but... Okay, okay. And that might not even be the Netherlands. That might be in uh, Belgium. So I'm learning don't so much remember. right there's now. A pandem- I'm learning.
1: There's a pandemic game in the Netherlands. That is true. That is yeah, true. We have that. I haven't played it. Yeah. All the names Rise and places time. are, like, impossible to say. Yeah. It's like 17 consonants in a row. I'm a quarter uh Dutch. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Oh. yeah.
0: We ready for round four? Yes. Yeah, I okay. have
1: guaranteed a loss. Burns needs one more out of the last two to yeah. secure just a victory. like Just like when we were playing before, I cinched it halfway
2: through.
0: Yep. I you have cinched it. Um round four. Um, Hades was voiced by the main author of Horizon Zero Dawn. Dutch actress Hannah Hoekstra licensed her likeness, licensed her likeness, that's quite the phrase, mm-hmm. to Guerrilla Games for the character Aloy, and Aloy was almost named Samnus, a tribute to what many people think of as the first main protagonist in gaming. Samnus
2: Aryan. S-A-N-M-U-S. Samnus, instead of Samus.
1: That one sounds dumb. I'm going with that one as a lie. Mm-hmm.
2: What was the first
0: one again? Hades was voiced by the main author of Horizon Zero Dawn.
1: As a writer,
2: that would be a cool mod. I hope that's true. I will. I will say it's also the third one.
1: Oh, Super Best Friends Club!
2: Yeah, and you guys are right. High yeah. five! Well
0: done. Well done. Tom is yeah. not getting yeah. blank today, baby. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Underperforming, sure, but I'm, it's just another. It's just another Saturday. Hey, What's underperforming
2: is my brand. I knew the second <laughs> one. Because I saw some random, I don't know if it was TikTok or Facebook or whatever, a video of her, like, just laughing during an interview, the Hannah Hookstra, Yeah. Laughing during an interview for, like, 50 seconds when someone was talking to her about Aloy or something like that. And it's just like, okay. And she looks a lot like her. It's super interesting. It's just
0: the likeness that they they didn't want to create. I don't know why they wouldn't just randomly create. Their own Uh uh, character, I guess. But she's like the one that absolutely looks just like the Atrix. intent That's what Hades wanted. Hmm, I guess. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) Okay. Final one. Round five. Um, We have uh, statement one. The Thunder Jaws are the only machines produced by, is it Hephaestus? Is that how we pronounce that correctly? Hephaestus is correct. That are purposely built for war. This might be tough for you guys because you didn't play enough far enough into the game, but hopefully you know this one. The Zenith character, Gerard, which is like the main Zenith bad guys, right? The bald dude? Yeah, yeah. Um, was actually written to be in Horizon Zero Dawn in some capacity and was to be played by Kevin Spacey. Mm. Spacey was dropped after his public scandals, though <laughs> Gerard kept his likeness. <laughs> and then the okay. third one, you can find Kratos' shack in Horizon Forbidden West. Awesome. <laughs> all three could be great, right?
1: Yeah. I feel like the third one has to be the lie. Doesn't it? Cuz there's a uh, no connection between
2: Gorilla Games and
1: Sony Santa
2: Monica. I mean, they're all under the Sony umbrella, and so there's there's been times oh. where they've worked together as PlayStation Studios on different things. So that okay. one that one's pretty feasible to me. Um so the trip up on the first one is legitimately none of the other ones like were made for war as well the only ones that were
0: made for pure warfare because the, the machines what this is stating is that the other machines were created with the intent right. to help the biome in some Which way a
2: lot of and they show a lot of them doing the different yeah. things I'm this just, is the but I only mean, velociraptors one for made Christ for sakes. war you don't make a velociraptor to tend to a garden to keep the trees at bay, right? Well they do different things. Because some of those are you talking about the which ones are you talking about? I the Claw know. Striders is yeah. what you're
0: talking about, yeah.
1: And when did the Kevin Spacey stuff hit? Because I believe zero dawn came out like nine years ago. Yeah. Was Spacey
2: after that? Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Kevin Spacey
1: one. Burns has been right more than he's wrong. I'm going with him. You're both wrong. Okay. Oh my!
2: That one took me forever to write
0: because <laughs> I'm like, who just got kind of look like Kevin Spacey? <laughs> but he couldn't be in it because he's a perv. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and yes, you can actually find Kratos' shack. So there is a Easter egg in the game. They have an axe uh, stuck in a birch tree. And if you zoom in on it, you can follow the trail up to a hut that looks just like Kratos's hut. Hmm. You can also find these little like totem, like little uh, uh, like, like totem guys. One is Kratos, um one is his son, and then there's a third one that I can't remember, but they're all little things that you can find in the game that are easter eggs. Nice.
1: Yeah. That's fun.
0: So you guys did pretty okay. Burns, yeah, you got so what? Yeah, what was
1: the other one? What was the lie?
0: The, uh, that was the Kevin Spacey was, the lie. Oh, was so a lie. Oh, so we got that right? Yeah. I thought you said we were wrong. So you got two. Uh, I, I didn't think you guessed the Kevin Spacey yeah. thing. Oh! The second one was Kevin I'm Spacey. way off than yes. You guys both got it. My apologies. <laughs> way too much talking. So uh, you got
2: two. I got four, I think.
0: Yep. Yeah. The, And then the Thunderjaw um, of. What, he, he, what Hephaestus. Hephaestus, yeah. thank you. Um, apparently, what was happening was Hephaestus had realized at some point that the humans were, like, raiding on the machines. And taking their components and crafting things, so he built something to just defend the machines. That's where the
1: thunderjaws come from. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's cool. Beautifully done, you guys. You guys did really well. Yeah. Well, Brian. Well done on your end too. It is a blast as always. Thank you so much for doing two truths and a lie. Next, we're going to welcome in, in front of the show, Dr. Kelsey Camille, to talk about ergonomics, console gamers. What is an ideal setup for console gamers?
3: So an ideal setup for console gamers isn't exactly the easiest to think about because most of us want to be comfortable on our couches at home, or we want to be um, sitting in nice lounge chairs. But we can actually take that experience and use it to our advantage because a lot of lounge chairs and couches now have um, footrests. And when it comes to our low back, 120 degrees is actually the um, position with the least amount of stress on our low back. So if you think of kind of those zero gravity chairs, we can use that to our advantage so when it comes to setting yourself up in the ideal position, if you um, give yourself some good low back support um, with your chair, and if you don't have that, roll up a towel or something like that and put that behind your low back, um, help to get your feet elevated to get into that ideal 120 degree position. And if you can't do that, then you want to make sure that you have your feet on the ground. Otherwise, you're going to be prone to having um, increased soreness or increased pain on the sciatic nerve. having increased pressure on the soft tissue or the structures that can compress that sciatic nerve the other big piece of this is making sure that you're investing in a controller that is really built for the game that you're investing your time in Um, i know a lot of people don't like to you know spend the extra money for it If you're going to be spending your time on those games, it's really worth your time because you're going to be stressing a lot of the extra muscles that are unnecessary to be stressing when you're spending a lot of time um, playing those games.
1: So if I can paraphrase, you are encouraging all listeners of Outside is Overrated to get home from work, kick back on the sofa, kick those feet up, get as far back as you can, close to 120 degrees, and make sure that you have premium controllers.
3: Absolutely.
1: You heard it here first on Outside is Overrated. Dr. Camille, thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more, you can book an appointment at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. For our final topic today, we're going to break down Horizon Forbidden West. Developed by Guerrilla Games, Horizon Forbidden West released on February 18th, 2022. That's this year. This game picks up immediately after the events of Horizon Zero Dawn. Aloy defeated the big bad in Horizon Zero Dawn, but guess what? The world is still ending. (laughs) She needs to reboot a big computer to save the world, and the components are scattered across a gigantic, enormous, massive open world map. Along the way, Aloy is going to fight a monstrous roster of machines, gather resources, craft 10 billion arrows, and exchange salvage for gear. This game has a Metacritic rating of 88. I thought it'd be interesting just to talk briefly about our experience with the original game, Horizon Zero Dawn. I am the only one of us who hasn't beaten that game. I played nine hours getting ready for our end of the console generation show. And I love that nine hours. I've always wanted to go back, but it just hasn't happened for me. Horizon Zero Dawn was a phenomenal game.
2: Yes, it definitely was. I... When it first came out, I played the first like 15 hours of it, and I actually streamed all of that on Twitch from my PlayStation long before I started streaming on Twitch, and I don't know that anybody's really ever watched those videos, and that anybody was watching while I was playing them. I think Joe McMartin maybe did once or twice, and that was about it. Kick Camo, what's up? Yeah, and so and then, unlike most other people, I didn't drop the game for Breath of the Wild, I dropped the game for Persona Five, which came out another month later because after you, it came out.
1: Because you hated Breath of the Wild with a fiery passion.
2: I didn't actually play Breath of the Wild till after I started Persona Five, but because uh, I didn't have a Switch until after I started Persona Five. But uh, I, I mean, I love Persona Four Golden is one of my favorite games of all time, and so I was waiting for Persona Five to come out. And Then that came out, I played that. Pretty much, I didn't beat that game until like September that year, and then by that point, I had moved. I was just like on to new games. And so I just never really made it back to Horizon Zero Dawn until February when I finally jumped back in because I knew I wanted to finish the story and get like the full experience of playing Zero Dawn before I jumped into Forbidden West because I'd heard lots of good things about the story and I really wanted to experience that for myself Without having it be like just a sum up of it at the start of Forbidden West. I think they do a good job of summarizing it and giving you the broad strokes of what happens. It's pretty jarring. As someone who didn't finish <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn, it's like, oh, okay, well, that sounds
1: pretty interesting. I wish I would have played that game. Brian, you are somebody who abhors story and game. You're a pure gameplay guy. But if I recall right, you really enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn. It's one of the best sci fi stories uh, of uh, maybe, uh, it's not.
0: All mediums, but like as far as, of uh, would you games say it's go. better than Blade Runner? Oh man, I love Blade Runner, Casey. This is you and me, baby. Come on over. We'll like rub some oil on each other's shoulders so we're relaxed. Watch it together. Maybe have a beer. Just call me.
2: Come on over. Oh. Come on over, so, Casey. Do the, uh, do the special finger over. treatment. <laughs> thumb.
1: Yeah, it's thumb, right? It, thumb. Was it thumb? I thought it was
2: any finger. Yeah, it's some sort of some sort of chiropractic move with a thumb. Casey specializes in it around the around the tailbone and up in the. If he told you that's what we do for a living, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's
1: no. Are, are you saying you're just not as advanced as Casey? I'm saying that's assault. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's assault, brother.
1: So <laughs> I.
0: I... He told me he loved me. <laughs> yeah, well, if he was nibbling on your ear when he said it, at least he's affectionate. So uh, Horizon, I love. I love the story. It's it's really in depth. It's it's complex, it's well thought out. I would argue with Joe that at the beginning of Forbidden West though they don't get you really into a, a good summary. Um I knew most of the story. I just felt like you really had to play Horizon Prior.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's the broadest of broad strokes. Yeah, that yeah. I can see. I can see Cause that. Cuz they only did like 2 minutes. And so it's like how can we encapsulate the entire game in 2 minutes? And and I did the opposite you did. Uh, Breath of the Wild came out,
0: and I absolutely shelved this thing until I was done with Breath of the Wild. And then when I came back to it, um, it I think it stands up of its own merits so well. The gameplay is fun, the world is gorgeous for a PS4 game. Mm-hmm. Um, still beautiful. Yeah, still absolutely beautiful. Maybe too much lens flare for my own <laughs> enjoyment because everything has lens flare. Apparently, my eyes have lens flare. Um, but it was it was so much fun. The combat's a really good time. It forces you to think. You have to understand these robots. Understand, you know, what are the areas that you can hit that you're gonna get more resources for. What are the areas that you can hit to then make them less aggressive, maybe less um, uh, dangerous to you. Um, really really enjoyable game from top to bottom and I'm not someone that avoids a good story I do enjoy story it just has to be more than just the story and Horizon hits that sweet spot like right in between
1: I just recall our Far Cry conversation you're, Billy and I were talking about a trans character in that game you're like oh they're trans? Like, how'd you learn that in a like, cutscene? Like, did you skip all the cutscenes? and you said yes Far
0: Cry is not a game that maybe the earlier ones had a little bit more story to them I mean, 6 just had so little that seemed interesting to it. There was nothing there that I can get too many characters. And like I said before, when they died, I was like, eh.
1: (laughs) Let me throw down the gauntlet. I know there are many ways, many ways that Horizon Forbidden West improves upon its predecessor. Story is not one of them. I honestly believe that Far Cry 6 was a more interesting story than what I had played through the first 30 hours of Horizon Forbidden West. I,
0: I, I would agree. I would agree and disagree. I agree that I think Horizon Zero Dawn is a better story, um, particularly because with Horizon Horizon Forbidden West, there's this big plague that we're dealing with to kick the game off. It's killing the world. Things are dying. And halfway through that game, they stop talking about it. And, like, they don't really think about it again. And it's like, okay. (laughs) That's just – is that just going to go away?
1: And I'll – backpedaling to horizon zero dawn i thought the opening of that game was so interesting Aloy is an outcast and she Mm -hmm. finds this weird thing she sticks in her ear and this whole world is so alien and everyone is so mean to her and i think it's so interesting through the first 30-ish hours of horizon forbidden west she's the savior of meridian she's this big deal everyone knows her everyone likes her and everyone's salty that she left without saying goodbye and it's it wasn't i did eventually get into the story but it took 35 hours and now i'm like oh okay Okay, now I want to see what happens next. That's fair, but I think the hook of the initial game is what? How is, do we have this
0: technologically advanced yeah. world amongst people that are almost nomadic tribesmen? Like that? How is this a thing? And apps—that's a, that's a strong draw because that understanding of of how this all came to be is the entire point of that game. So I, I would agree that being introduced to this world and, and how these different areas interact with one another, that was a much stronger draw than anything I had in Forbidden West. And as Forbidden West went on, I got more engaged with the story, particularly in the back end, which we're not going to discuss too much because you guys, I know, didn't get through the game. Mm-hmm. We're well, not going we to do spoilers do, with it.
1: We'll do a spoiler alert towards the end. Okay. We'll give you an opportunity. Burns, you can close your ears if you want. Yeah, he said he's just going to step out, out of the walk room. out of the room.
2: Yeah. 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 But, uh, I, I, so, I think the... The big thing about the beginning of Forbidden West is that the story is is focused on like you not not necessarily Aloy reconnecting with the people that she helped, but vice versa. It's like those people seeking Aloy out. So it's Varl. Um, seeking Aloy out and then her like stumbling across Erend and stumbling across Talana and some of the other people that you like are associated with and help a lot in the first game.
1: Yeah. I had no idea who any of those people are. Right.
2: And so if you, if you don't have some of those connections, like, I mean, some of that stuff's just not that interesting to you. Like, you know, if you hadn't gone through the treasure hunter or not the treasure hunter, the hunting, um, group storyline like you don't know about talana being the sun hawk and how you got her there and all that stuff and so seeing her again you're just like oh just another chick with another chick (laughs) you know uh and so but it has more weight when you've especially since i'd just gone through that and really enjoyed like that storyline and sort of them fighting against the traditionalism of the karja Uh, And so I thought that was really cool. Uh, That does sound really interesting. Yeah. I should go back and play the original game.
1: Yeah. Let's put a pin in narrative for right now. Let's uh, go back to where this game improved on its predecessor. I'll say this for my time with the game. It's really fun. It's really polished. It's really good. But I don't have that like history to compare it to. So from where
2: Horizon Zero Dawn started, where does Forbidden West advance the series? In pretty much every single way. Uh, the combat has much more nuance. You actually have like combos now that you can do. You earn skills to unlock more combos. Uh, the weapons, there's more weapons that you have available to you that do different things. Uh, some of them I think are harder to actually maximize, like the, uh, the My Mai- Life shredder things i can teach you
0: how to use that better it's once you it's all about distance if you're the right distance away it'll almost always return to you it will come right back to you okay once you get used to that you can wreck things gotcha it is it's figuring out how to use the thing for sure the
2: problem i've had with it is seeing like where the shot actually goes after it impacts with the dude you're just too close yeah so i must just be too close to it at that point um i i i think a lot of the systems are better so like They did a lot to make it so that the HUD was a little less intrusive in Forbidden West. Uh, You know, because a lot of games, and especially it became a talking point around Elden Ring, too, where it's like, this is Elden Ring, if it had your typical open world, uh, you know, HUD, and it has like the mini-map and all this stuff everywhere, all over the place. And so they give you the option to have more of a minimized, A minimal, uh, mini our our HUD. I think it defaults to that, doesn't it? Yeah, it it defaults to that. You can switch it back to have like more things up there. Um, But they they were trying to do a lot to make it more immersive and make it a little bit more about exploring. Uh, So it's a little bit harder to maybe see some of the different things that you can like gather in different spots. But, you know, you just do one pulse of your focus so that you can see the things for a little bit. Or you hold it down, and then that's how you can find the animals, and that's how you can uh, uh, harness or like hone in on the enemies, find out your information about the enemies, kind of like in the first game. Uh, and, and so, I, I I think that stuff is all like really well done. Like you have a lot more skills that I- you can unlock.
1: I was just going to bring up the skills, and Brian, I was going to pivot to you to talk about how the skill trees change between the two games.
0: Um, we went from four skill trees to six, and we also introduced something called Valor Surges. So Valor Surges are essentially like a superpower. you got a separate bar that charges up over time via either taking damage or doing damage to enemies, and then you can use this to have an increased ability, whether it's like firing off an electrical AoE, whether it's being able to fire arrows with more damage with faster draw time and replenishing life with each hit, it gave you different ways to kind of build your character. Um, the part for me that that I struggled with a little bit, I felt like some of these abilities were underwhelming. As you look through the tree, there was very few things was like, oh my god, I want this, and I want to work my way down there as fast as I can. There wasn't a lot of that to it. All of these things had their own practical utility. They did. But I think that there could have been more interesting skills that were presented that made you really want to get
1: them. I agree that the skills felt underwhelming i early on i focused entirely on the infiltrator tree like i wanted to sneak in and i wanted to clear as many of the enemies before they could see me but the way it worked in practicality was i would clear one with my silent strike and then invariably someone else would notice and then everything's on me so it felt like even though i was investing all those skill points it didn't feel like it made me a particularly ba like stealth hunter
0: it didn't make you better in the category that you were dumping skill points into right you you were still getting caught at the exact same time whether you're level one or level 12 that's part of the battle with some of the skill system.
2: To some extent. Like, I think there's some abilities within. So I, I think the game is, so ultimately, they you're probably not going to be able to unlock every skill. Maybe you can by the time you're into the game and you do everything. You get enough skill points to unlock everything. Uh, the first game, you could get down, get every skill. I, I finished the game, did all of the side stuff. Started a little bit of the Frozen Wilds DLC, and I had all but three skill points in the first game. Um, and so in this game, there's more of those choices to make, uh, which I think is, is nice because it's better than knowing that I'm going to unlock everything eventually. I disagree. I think that you can unlock
1: everything if you can do you know really? enough you side quests. Enough? Like every single side quest gives you skill points, and so like I was—I mean, I still had a ways to go, but I was yeah. like level twenty-nine, and it felt like it was reasonable for me to expect to fill up most of those trees. Gotcha. And I liked that about the side
0: quests. It gave me because sometimes yeah, we don't do side quests, it. right? We don't do them because it's like, well, what's the big deal? The well, experience I think Burns and I do side quests. I say, I do, I, that I, that I do, I do plenty of them, <laughs> um, and because it kept giving
1: me points i was like absolutely this is worth it because now i can kind of keep decking out and it completely derailed me in addition to those skill points they also generally give you a resource that you need for upgrading so it was this game more than most others that i can think of really incentivizes those side quests which is great Mm -hmm. because they're awesome and it forces you into it but i it also kind of distracted me from the main storyline because i'm like oh well let's do these side missions get some more skill points unlock some more pips
2: so and i guess i I guess I didn't necessarily notice that per se, the that they didn't have any impact, right? Um, I was able... So like when I was looking at the skill trees, I was looking at, okay, when I played through the first game, how was it that I enjoyed playing this? And what were the things that I defaulted to? So basically I started off by leveling up in the bow and the staff. I'm going to melee things. I'm going to shoot things. Focus on those two trees first. I abandoned the machine one because until I unlock a cauldron, it doesn't really matter. I could make my mount better. Who gives a crap? Most of the time I just run from place to place anyway because I just, I don't know, I just start running. (laughs) Yeah, if
1: there's not a bristleback right in your way, it's like I'm not going to go out of my way.
2: Right, right. You know, I I force gump it. I just felt like running. (laughs) Uh, And so, but I, I think like having the resonator stuff on the melee Is interesting. So, like, you build up power in your staff, and once it gets to a full charge, you put a blast on them that then you shoot, and it does extra damage to the enemies. Uh, I think that's an interesting way to not just fall down one path, but then push you back out to using your ranged attacks from just like solely just going melee focused with a lot of things. Thirty-five hours into this game, I've done that one time. Really, I do that all the time. I
1: need to do it more.
0: Yeah, the fight for me, I think that melee just felt generally underwhelming unless I was fighting humans, unless I was fighting bandits. The melee just felt kind of underwhelming because if I don't know if you guys have been fighting a, a larger machine or even a a medium machine, and it's it's almost dead, so I'm spamming my attack button with my staff to try to kill it. And
2: you're doing no damage to the thing. You're like, my God, please die. You're eating damage for no reason. I finish off most of the enemies with melee.
1: I did. I wouldn't say I finished off most enemies, but I used it a lot more against machines than I did against humans.
2: Yeah. Because it's like, by that point, they're charging at you. They're right there. And like... Most medium size, and I'm guessing as I level up farther down the melee tree, it'll be more powerful. But if you hold down the R2 to do the power attack on them, like, many of the enemies, it's going to knock them over so you can do a critical and kill them. And so, you I love the knockdown. Yeah, and and so that was, like, my bread and butter, is that I do that, I, I, like, hit it really hard, knock that one over, hit this one hard, knock that over crit strike this one, crit strike the other one. I've built up my resonator blast, hit that on another one, step back, shoot it. All right, let's get into one of my weapons. I'm going to sit there and just sort of pummel at them, you know, maybe switch into my javelin, chuck that at something, watch it blow up. Uh, So I think a lot of that stuff does a good job of incentivizing you to play a couple of different ways, Um, but you don't have to. Like you could just go straight down... Um,
1: infiltrator and then regret it the rest of the game
2: well yes or no because like the good thing about some of the things that are down the infiltrator path that are interesting to me is that it gives you if you're in stealth and shooting your bow it does more damage and so if you unlock those like that's another thing that i'll do from time to time is just sit in some brush and whether it's humans or sometimes against smaller enemies just sit in some brush plug away at something knock it off and then like let things calm down and do it again. And as long as I'm like stealthed and they don't see where I'm shooting from, like I'm doing quite a bit of damage and like knocking things off on one shot. Sometimes you do um, that anyway, but in other times like you're not doing as much damage if you didn't unlock that. I think it's stealth shot plus or something like that, and you can level that up a couple of a couple of tiers too slow for me let's go and if you were using
0: if you're using the piercing shot with like one of the sharp shot bows one shot even if they're wearing a helmet they're dead yeah that's that the stealth aspect i always found to be much more useful within a bandit camp otherwise i'm more of a player who's (laughs) dumping a lot of statuses on something yeah and then after using one a great addition to this game is some of the weapon techniques yes um particularly with like the brace shot if that's one that you guys have used that's where you use the sniper bow you see her squat down to the ground pull it and fire it and it detonates. Yeah. You cover something in frost, hit it, you've already depleted three fourths of its life. And it's 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 virtually dead at this point. And the other cool thing was that sometimes late in the game I found some abilities that I didn't know that I liked as much. I turned a claw strider into a personal attack dog. You could choose it between either being docile or being aggressive. And an aggressive anything that's around me that can be considered a threat, it will run out and start attacking, mm-hmm. which was an absolute blast. Um, they just did a lot of good quality of life things in this game. Um, The ability to move time. I thought that was fantastic. Um, No more filling up the loot sack. You're someone yes. who played through Horizon yes. Zero Dawn. How annoying was it when it's like, oh, you can no longer carry this. Constantly. It
2: happened all the time, even when it was maxed out. Yeah. And you're just sitting there and you're just breaking stuff down. And it's like, okay, I guess I don't need these five coils. I'm going to break these down. And I don't need, like... All of this stuff, I'm just going to break it down, break it down. And you're throwing stuff away constantly in that game, and it was, now it just goes to your stash.
0: Yep, it's awesome. Yep, it just magically winds up going to the chest, and then you can always go back, and then you can draw this stuff back out. Yep.
2: And you just hold down square, and it fills everything up that wasn't at capacity.
0: Were, were, jobs, were jobs in Horizon Zero Dawn, were so you able to do that with crafting?
2: It, not with crafting... But with, so like, for instance, if you were at a shop and you were going to buy an item from someone, but you needed a hide or something like that, you could create a job for it from a merchant and it would tell you, okay, you need to buy, you need to find this out in the wild to bring back so you can buy this.
0: Did it show you on the map where it was? Um,
2: I don't. The one that I had didn't. Okay. Because it was like raccoon stuff. All right. And there's so
0: raccoons all over. I thought that was fantastic yeah. where it's like, oh, you need this kind of a, a, a machine to kill. You create a job and it shows you on the map where you yep. can go hunt it. There's no more having to go search for it because there's a billion icons in yeah. this game.
2: The Like the weapons too. I wanted to jump on that while we were talking about that like the weapon crafting and like how you can level up weapons by crafting different things into them. And then how that's tied into getting certain things off of certain enemies, I think is like really smart and really cool. And it fixes a lot of the problems that horizon zero Dawn had, like after the first 15 hours of that game, like basically by the time I had picked it back up, I was never short on shards ever. Like, I just... I, I tended to always have enough shards to buy pretty much whatever I wanted. I, I had a lot of, like, other items that I needed for most of the things I was going to buy. There was, like, a couple of the later stage, like, big weapons that I never got, like, this thing off of a Thunder Jaw, So I didn't mm-hmm. buy it um, until I finally got that. Here, you're, like... Looking at that like from the get-go, it's like, okay, you need to get the antlers off of a fang horn because then you're going to be able to level this up to level two and level this one up to level three. So it's like, oh, I found some chargers. I know I need charger horns. Plug all the horns off of all of them. I've got that for the next few things that I need to level that up. And like having those weapons get better... It, and then once you max them out and you're like, oh, well, this weapon is so much better than that maxed out. OK, time to switch. And and the the outfits are the same way. It 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 sort of leads you back into that loop of finding and seeking out these different types of beasts to attack them instead of before where, well, there was no progression in the things. It was just, hey, to buy a new thing, you need this one thing. And it seems like most of the enemies have more different things more things that they drop that are unique to them so you need to find more of that stuff you need to kill more of them and so it, it's 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 cool how that all works together and it makes it more interesting and it's like i'm struggling to have enough shards because i'm upgrading stuff all the time like by the time i go back and upgrade four things i have like 30 shards left Bro. it's like okay i got to go make money again i got to sell some things
1: the problem i had with it was that there were so many options cuz you have how many weapons six weapons and your armor up constantly and so there's six different things that you can need for upgrading and I just I got fed up with trying to track them all basically and so I just I started going to merchants and buying as many things that I didn't have as possible and then going into the workbench to see what I can upgrade so I wasn't strategic at all it's like Uh, I have this big pile of shards let's buy a whole bunch of upgrade resources and hope that I get lucky.
2: Gotcha.
1: And it was hard too at times just
0: because I think there's the green I think you can can upgrade three times blue is like three or four purple's five and then legendary is like five again yeah so i mean it's it's a process if you want to go through all the all the uh all the categories so for me i just kind of fell in love with certain weapons i'm like you know what i got 30 minutes to play today i'm just going to try to upgrade this maybe once and it's nice because you can have the bite sized morsel go in play something i'm not trying to progress the story i'm not trying to do side missions
1: i'm just making the next time i play a little bit more fun Mm -hmm. and i like having that option for it yeah that would be a great way to approach and I can see myself agreeing with that. Most of my time was focused trying to accomplish the next thing because I knew this show was coming and I wanted to try to experience as much as possible. How many hours
0: did you put in? Like 36. I damn impressive, man. For a guy with two young kids, very impressive. Yeah,
2: thank you. Yeah, three podcasts I do a month, too. The other neat thing about the armor that they have is that each one tends to be slotted towards one of the skill trees. So, like, an armor will say it's Infiltrator or Warrior or Survivor, and that's basically telling you the types of skills that you unlock as you level that up. And you can see everything that it's going to level up to as you would level that. I think that's really cool. When you're shopping for things, you can compare what that is compared to yours and then also compare what it is fully maxed out compared to yours. And it's like, okay this is awesome because I can see what this is going to match up to. The one thing I wish is that when you're in your inventory, if you could compare it to what you have equipped to, like that's that, that one little thing Thank where it's you. like, that would be perfect yep. because then it's like, okay, now is this better than what it is at level two or not quite yet? It's I super, level why 30. is that an option? I, I don't, don't understand know, it's oversight or I don't maybe know. just for some reason couldn't do it because it's within the same interface. I'm not sure, but yeah. that's like one little thing where it's just like, if they just had that, because what I've been doing is, like, when I get armor, I'll... I, I've, I've had the same armor on the entire time. Um, well, okay. I had, like, the whatever you start with, I had that on for a while. Then I got, like, the Oserum Explorer armor, and I leveled that up all the way, and I've had that on the entire time, because I like the way it looked better than other things.
0: I jumped from something like that to a Legendary. Um, <laughs> and the only reason I went to the Legendary was um, some of those really high-end armors, they add to the skills. Plus two to search, yeah. plus two to Stamina Recharge. Yeah. Which Stamina Recharge is how you use your um, weapon abilities. Mm-hmm. And that was such a useful thing to just, okay, well, I guess I need to unlock this because I want these. Um, otherwise, man, I, I just tried not to get hit and yeah. there was nothing actually doing so much damage to me. I felt like I had yeah. to switch up my armor set.
2: There was So there was the battle where... Um I, I don't think it was... I think this was a main story one where you, you fight the guy with the... Th- I think it was the guy with the thunder jaw, And he's, like, standing back shooting you with, like, a shock weapon and then the other thing's running around at you. I had to switch to something that was, like, had more shock defense. Um, and so I had to switch to that for that battle, but then I just jumped back into the other armor. But now what I've been doing is buying other armors that I like, and then I've been going through and... um I'll level it up, and once it's better than what I have, and if I'm going to be playing, like, if I'm going to be trying to be more sneaky, I'll switch to the sneaky one once I level it up high enough to be to that point. And, and so that's how I've been approaching it. I, I kind of like that aspect of it that, okay, I'm going to be going in, like, just balls to the wall, like, just hitting stuff with my staff as much as possible. I'm going to switch to this one because it's good for the warrior tree.
0: So now all, all of us, slightly shifting pace here, all three of us play on the PS5, right? Yeah. Did you guys play now? This game for those of you that didn't know, for the PS5 it can be played in fidelity mode, mm-hmm. or it can be played in performance mode. Fidelity mode is basically you're just running at about 4K um, at 30 frames per second. Um, performance is gonna be at 60 frames per second and just slightly under 4K. Mm-hmm. What did you guys play at?
2: Default
0: fidelity. So you played at fidelity? Well, it
2: depends on what his system default is because a lot of the games, whatever you put as your system default, yeah, it'll it'll default to that. But um, I I I've picked. Uh, I picked Fidelity because I don't really notice the difference too often between 30 and 60 frames per second, so it doesn't really affect me.
0: This is the one game I think I have noticed it. With how fast the combat was, you could see how much more fluid it was going at 60 than 30. Because <laughs> I had planned to play at 30. I'm like, I want to ma- get yeah. 4K. I want my retina's bleeding from the beauty <laughs> of what I'm looking at. And I started playing 60 frames. I was like, well, I can't go back
2: now. It's, Interesting. it's too smooth. Interesting. I'd also like to note that my Eloy wore a dumb basket on her head. See, I avoid any armor sets that have bad, like bad headgear. That, that's why I barely ever switched my armor in Horizon Zero Dawn because it felt like eighty percent of the weap of the armors had just stupid headgear. Um, I kind of like the Karja headgear, so I default to that. But then there's like the Osborn one that I have is a little bit of like a like a kind of like a turban thing um, that I thought looked decent. I would like a very minimalist approach. Yeah. So, like, mine is basically... It's, like, lots of different fabric. Orange and white was what the base color was. Until now, I found the dye merchant, and I was like, ooh, look at that. Fancy colors. This is
0: fun. I had a skirmisher forever where it's a helmet, and it's got two long, like metal oh, okay. jaws that come off the sides and i love that because she looked like a damn demon <laughs> so i had i had that forever um what do you guys think about the level of customization in this game this is the most customization from just a <clears throat> setting standpoint that i think i've ever seen do you want me to kind of elaborate a little bit more on that
2: yeah i don't know that i changed too much of anything oh my other God. than
0: inverting because i always have to invert me and, and you both um so
2: me, you, guys are weird. you can go stupid
0: deep in this game. So if you get tired of always firing off the focus, you can have it. So anything interactive as far as a resource within in the um, world is automatically tagged oh, all the time, gotcha. which I did because it just made things a little bit easier. I also had it on where it always showed all climbing points at all times. So uh, like, oh, some, so people like yep. some people are like, yep some people are like, oh, it's game breaking for me or it's realism breaking. I'm like, it's robotic dinosaurs. What are you talking about? <laughs> let the let the rock glow. <laughs> um, so I thought that was amazing. You could have on um, auto um, auto charge or auto accelerate. Um, for your mount, which was great if you guys were doing oh, the races. I need to do that. Makes the races a lot easier. You can also have alloy doing auto run. You can also go crazy in depth with its customized, um, difficulty. What that means is if you go under difficulty and go custom, you can set it so you can set how high you want the difficulty for the machine's health. Um, beginner, um, medium, very hard. You can also have it set to you, so they don't have to always match up. Maybe you want the machines to hit like a freight train and you want to be able to tank some of that. That's fine, too. Um, or you can also turn on easy loot for the people that want to just get oh, tired. So it just
2: picks it up instead of having to...
0: Kind of. So you know how there are certain items that get destroyed if you don't knock them off the machine by the end of the, oh, the encounter? yeah easy loot makes it so that no matter what that machine has on you you get all of it no. so when i was actually grinding out my when i was grinding out my i was grinding out my legendaries when i've already gone through 2 or 3 of their cycles and i've got a couple left and i'm going ham trying to get these things upgraded i screw it i'm just going to turn on easy loot just just to make the grind at that point easier i'd already beaten the game i'd already become (laughs) the ultimate chad so like (laughs) it's just it was i thought it was so cool how they had so much customization for however you want to build your experience that is cool
1: which is just neat
0: yeah
1: is it neat it doesn't appeal to me at all like it's just like I'll work within the confines of the default settings generally. If there's something horrible, I guess it is nice to go in there and change that aspect of it. But it, the customization doesn't do a ton for me. I love not having to proc off my sonar every two seconds when I'm looking for stuff. That, that would was fantastic. be fantastic. It's funny bouncing between this and Jedi Fallen Order for uh, Game Pass forever because, like, I'm just, I've just. I walk around and I just click right stick forever, forever. Uh-huh. It's like when i was playing The Witcher, constant Witcher sense. Yeah. And then like I switch to Fallen Order, it's like, oh, i have just f-ing up my camera. Cool. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the lock on, right? Yeah. In, yeah. Fallen Order. Did you guys do any of the races? Not yet. I, I don't think I unlocked any of
0: them yet. It is. I don't understand that the internet community has come back, and I've seen so many YouTubers like, oh, it's so broken. I've never played a game, a, a portion of a game, so broken. You know, I just want to like makes me want to quit. I had on the auto run for the mount, and I never lost one of those races once. They're like, oh, you know, I was in first, and then I get destroyed. As long as you recover fast enough, they're super simple, but there's a huge chunk of the gaming community that thinks this is like the absolute most broken really? POS in the game. Interesting. It
1: well, is a, let me know your opinion when you play it. A lot of people tend to hate racing in-game. I don't, I don't like it. I'm, the odds of me actually doing these races very 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 slim i
0: did zero in far cry it's six did didn't do a single one did you do any of those no yeah me neither it's like i'm not playing it to race yeah like if i want to play a racing game
2: if i want to race i'm gonna play a racing game is there a story attached to it or do you get skill points from it
0: you one of the legendary bows is directly tied to it so you have to win all it's either five or six races um to unlock that bow and it's it's worth getting but and to be honest though
1: doesn't sound like it It doesn't sound like it's worth getting i didn't
0: I, i did every race once most races last three minutes they were not that hard i don't i don't know what was happening to other people i just don't
2: so i um playing through horizon zero dawn i was just like I'm not going to do any of the, the hunting clubs or whatever the heck. The it's lodges? Been. The lodges. Yeah. I was just like, I don't care. I, I don't care about those challenges. So I just skipped them until I got to Meridian and talked to the guy. And it's like, oh, there's like a storyline that I can do that's tied to these. All right, well, let's go back around to them. And it's like, okay, well, I got two of the Blazing Suns at one of them. it's just like, well, I might as well get the Blazing Sun at all of them then. And so then it's just like... Rah. Yep. Yeah. And there's there is some and I did all of them before I went and did that storyline. They're like, "Oh, you have all of these." They'll have weapons. Like, give me. They'll have weapons <laughs>
0: yep. tied to it this time. And then the arena, if you guys didn't get a chance, I thought the arena was a great addition.
1: I just uh I just unlocked it. I have not been there yet. It's
0: basically it's got multiple tiers, but you can unlock a lot of the high-end legendary stuff through completing those. And if you complete everything, you'll have enough to buy everything. So it's the last couple of fights are an absolute
2: One last thing before we jump on to to jump from the improvements between the last game and this game. Like we talked about the climbing a bit. The climbing is so much better in this game. There's so many more logical points of how you can get up. Um, Like when you're climbing like cliffs specifically, because it's just like the other game, it was arbitrary as to whether you could climb up something or not. And it's like, well, I should be able to make that jump. I should be able to grab onto that because it's, it's rock. It's, the only difference is that that one has a little bit of white outline around it. Like this is the same rock, <laughs> you know. And so that was that's like a lot better in this game and how they have like how it's designed when you see the lines on it too, I think is really is really cool and yep. interesting. And then um the one thing that I thought aged the worst in Horizon Zero Dawn going back and playing it this year is like the jumping. The jumping is so like dumb looking because you do the same jump animation, no matter where you're at. And the way that they set up, like navigating some of the areas that you had to get, like if you had to get up on top, like this like little mound or whatever, you just have to sit there and do the stupid Aloy same gallop five times until you finally hit the spot where you can get up over it and then just keep jumping in the same way I w- over and over again
1: I wish people could see you illustrating this jump with your arm
2: it, it looks like that it's it's just this the, the dumbest jumping animation it's always the same it never changes And so that's, like, a lot better in Forbidden West, too. They did a good job of having more dynamic animations with a lot of
0: that. The only thing I miss about that jump was being able to do focus time. You could jump, enter kind of the bow mode, and then shoot at things. But now they increased the focus mode so much in this game... You could spend half the time in slow mo. It was yeah. awesome, just being lethal with how precise you were. And you
2: can level it up more, mm-hmm. like and that's so yeah. That's, that's some of the skills that allow you to have longer concentration, um, and then have armor that increases it, um, or weapons that increase it is pretty awesome too.
1: We've talked a lot about how Horizon Forbidden West improves on its predecessor in almost entirely positive ways. Next, I thought it would be interesting to talk about our highlights and impressions of this gigantic open world. I will start with a first impression. There's a ton of stuff mm-hmm. to do here. And at 35 hours, I've never been to the arena. I've only done one hunting challenge because I don't really like it. I haven't touched the races. Brian, you're an expert here. Like what are the highlights of this gigantic world so it's going
0: to take you through some different areas there's actually some modern areas of the united states that the game's going to take you through so you'll recognize those places as you travel through them and and even though they're essentially decimated there's enough there to let you realize where you're traveling to and from
1: do you mean specifically las vegas
0: there's more than that
1: okay because where i am at in the story i've acquired one of the three MacGuffins you have to go get to progress the story and i haven't seen much that resembles the real us
0: you'll see more as you work your way west i'll just leave it at that because i don't want to spoil anything
1: yeah we'll get into spoilers later in the show that's still a spoiler for you very forbidden
0: i am amazed at the size of this map though in comparison to horizon zero dawn i felt like horizon
2: zero dawn was fairly big this map is bonkos. it's funny because when i first because i'd heard that from people talking about the game before and so when i you know got off the little ferry that's bringing you down in after you get to the the main to the forbidden west and i, I like brought up the map and I start scrolling through it's just like no it's not that big really i mean but then it's like once you start unlocking and you see like how far you've gone and like how little of the map you open up okay it's like holy crap this is massive there's so much i haven't seen yet i feel like i've been everywhere it is
0: amazing too and it's everything from like lush jungles to snowy mountaintops to the to beaches and everything in between yeah it's just it's just a really beautiful game and the fact that I really appreciate that they let me change time because in Horizon Zero down. we couldn't. Yeah. So you can sit down at a shelter and you can move it into morning because this is a game I want to see in the daylight. Dark is nice because it lets you fight certain kinds of what's called apex machines, harder versions of regular machines. But as fun as that is, I want to see how beautiful this world is that they created. It's so detailed. It's so gorgeous. And it feels like it's a living place. The people have their own place and the machines are doing their part. And it's just a world that you want to be able to see every square inch of it. And
1: there's a lot of square inches of it. I don't need to see every square inch. I need to see all the square inches that lead to skill points. You're going to cover almost that entire map due to that. I think the
0: whole point of that side missions is that they really force you to spread out across the map. um, Which I think is kind of a clever way to do it.
2: Well, now that I can unlock the Fire Gleam, I have to go back through the Fire Gleam spots that I found before and unlock those, you know. And Good news. There's other ways that'll block paths, too. Well, I know that. I found some of those, too, and I'm waiting to get the things that unlock some of those other things so that I can go back and get if, those.
0: If I can recommend to both of you and anybody that's listening to this podcast that wants to play this game, I would really, really recommend play a significant portion of this story before you start doing all the side quests
1: that is the exact inverse of what i've been doing i'm (laughs) thankful to hear that now that i'm moving off this game for the next i i
0: I made that error and the thing is is that there are things that allow you to work around what are called fire gleams which are basically you can explode holes in areas you can work around vegetation they give you new kinds of mounts um new abilities with which to like breathe underwater all of these things are unlocked through the story and i there was so much stuff that i did not get to encounter early on because I was so worried about pushing the story too quick. No, push the
1: god yeah. story. You can always go back anywhere, anytime, just like the first game. And a question for you, Brian, along that vein, one of the reasons that I was doing so much side stuff was to get those skill points and to equip myself to take on bigger challenges. Were you adequately equipped to handle the story having not played a lot of that side content early on?
0: I played a lot of that side content early on, just so we're clear. Like, I was going, I was slow rolling that story. I was overly prepared for almost anything that I encountered and there really wasn't any time that I felt like I needed to level up outside when I got to the arena. I think there's four or five levels to the arena. I plowed all the way up to the second highest on just the gear I showed up in. So I was I was I had way more uh, uh, firepower than I probably should have had at that game. I wound up completing probably about Four missions before the game ended. I had already capped out the game level. So I would recommend play the story.
1: Interesting. Bernsy, you often struggle with open world games because you almost get bogged down by paralysis by analysis there's so many things to do and mm-hmm. this is a giant game with a ton of things to do yeah but it sounds like this is an experience that you enjoyed a lot more than say breath of the wild comes to mind but we both hated that game um <laughs> there are other open world games that you've struggled with because you just get bogged down in the
2: stuff you can do that wasn't the case with horizon forbidden west I so think far. part of what part of what makes a difference is like Having, so having things or a mechanism on a map to be able to see like, this is where this is. So I either know I can go back to this or I'm going to go to this to complete this. Like having where I can look at it and say, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this. These are the things I can tick off the box on the way. Like that's how, that's how I like, like to play games. Um, When you get into things like Skyrim and you get into things like other things that I've had difficulties with before, like Breath of the Wild, when there's a lack of some of that stuff, I feel less enticed to keep pushing forward through some of those things. So you need a little more structure, a little less freedom with your open world games. Well, or at least show me where the things are so I can go towards that. Or give me a mechanism where it's like I can notate. Yes, I want to go here. I'm going to flag this spot so I can go to it. Um, and what if your weapons break? I mean, yeah, that that's annoying as crap.
0: <laughs> you would have lost your mind earlier and they, they they fixed it with a patch but at one point when you would be using like say for your fire gleans when you would blow one up on the map the icon wasn't disappearing
2: Ooh, yes that would that would be so very annoying i had
0: i had done a bunch of them but i look back and none of them are off the map i'm like oh my
1: god i'm Oof. like i don't remember
2: where i went yeah that would be bad <laughs> oh that would be awesome. really bad
1: There's a fast travel system in this game. I firmly believe that every game with a big map must have fast travel. Yeah. It just must. The way it works in Horizon Zero Dawn is there's a consumable item you can use to warp to any um, campfire that you've been to. Otherwise, if you discover a campfire in the wild, you can use that to travel to other campfires you've discovered. I like that system, but a lot of times in this game, it made me feel like Dragon's Dogma with a long, long run to something like... I'm chasing this map objective that's way over here, and I'm just running down the path forever. Granted, once you've been there, you've discovered some campfires, and you can warp back, yeah. and you can get back to it. But I, I like the fast travel system, but I... Had some issue with the long runs to get everywhere. Really?
2: Because it seems like there's campfires everywhere. Everywhere. There are a lot of
1: campfires, but I don't know. There's a lot of monsters standing on the path between you and the map map objectives. And it's like, well, I can't just run past these guys. I'm probably going to need their components. Shoot all the monsters. Were you Run, use, run, run.
0: Were you using mounts?
1: When uh, Bristleback was handy...
0: Sure. Mount uh, well, bristlebacks or chargers, um, either one. And never y- mounted a charger. Chargers are pretty quick. That's what you actually do most of the racing in the game with. And man, you can go right by things. There's nothing they can do to k- stay caught up with you. And as long as you pass within about like twenty feet of the campfire, you've discovered it. So at that point, then you can warp there anytime you want.
1: I thought you had to actually touch it because I had uncovered some on the mini map, but they were still undiscovered. So from that point on, like I'm constantly watching the uh, bar at the top. It's like, if am I getting close to one? Go over. Might as well save while I'm here. Yeah, yeah. And, and that
0: was the trick with it. And and I don't know if I really like the the what is it the camp roll or the the bag whatever it is that we use to. Yeah. It's a consumable item. Yeah. You can have up to fifty that you can just fast travel item you want. I don't know if it's really needed because I can I can buy up to fifty of them. They're not that expensive. Why not just let me freely fast travel? I get that it's kind of a nice caveat that I had discovered a, you know, bonfire and now I can teleport wherever I want for free, but it,
1: It's a quality of life thing, because I had a stack of those on me. It's the first thing I spent shards on. I'm like, 15 of these, all right, I can travel wherever and whenever I want to. And then like I just got into the habit of like, oh, well, there's a campfire 50 feet over here, so I'll just run
2: over here.
0: And I'm the exact opposite. I'm like eight feet from a campfire. I'm like, screw it, fast travel icon.
2: (laughs) Use my item. I'll buy more of these things later, not walking over there. I mean, I, I do like that in this one, you can... You can just fast travel to any campfire from any campfire, too. Like, that's nice. Um, in So in Forbidden West, there isn't the golden um, fast travel pack? Okay. Because eventually you unlock... In, in Zero Dawn, you unlock a golden fast travel pack. And once you have that, you just can always fast travel. That sounds
1: super video gamey. Yeah. Cool. So, any other thoughts on the big open world before we talk about our favorite things to do in this gigantic space?
2: I, I mean... So Some of my favorite things to do, and granted, maybe you call them side quests or whatever, or maybe you call them main story quests because you kind of have to do them to get through the game. But the cauldrons, I think, are awesome in the original game. I I, I like how they do a good job of um, making each cauldron in Zero Dawn different. And so I'm expecting that that's going to be the case. Like already, I guess I've went through one and a half cauldrons. Cause there's the one that you have to do for the story mission. That is a cauldron. And then there's the cauldron before that, that you unlock that you can technically do before that or after you can do it whenever you want. Um, But they look really cool. Like in this game, like the details that they have in those and some of the graphical things that are going on in there are phenomenal. And so I'm looking forward, like those are my favorite things. Like once I unlock a cauldron and I have it available, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, just grab the stuff around the map, make sure everything's ready. And then like, that's my dessert. The cauldron is like, okay, I'm going to go through this thing. I'm going to enjoy it.
0: And some of them are really big. Like, yeah. the cauldrons I don't feel like in Horizon Zero Dawn were this large. You can, it, It's just kind of neat because from a story perspective, it's like just unbridled machine efficiency, right? Yep. These huge areas where the whole thing is just churning mm-hmm. out these machines nonstop, and you're just trying to find a way through it.
1: Yep. Yeah, cauldrons are fun. Good times. Oh, I like them. That's one of my, that's my favorite thing to do in the open world. Brian, you liked getting to a high vista and just looking around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the game
0: world from how they made the environment to the lighting effects. A lot of it's just how the lighting effects work. It's a really, really beautiful game. Um, there's a lot of arguments right now that this is the prettiest game that we've ever seen on console. I would probably say that I, I can't think of anything that I would disagree with that statement. I know some of these high-end PCs can obviously blow it out of the water, but yeah. that technology is so much more advanced. But it is it is about as stunning as you can ask for right now on a 4K setup with a, with a modern console.
1: It's like Far Zenith technology.
2: Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty good. Kevin but Spacey. You, but you hated Machine Strike.
0: I never, no, and I said yeah. I said it looks like my favorite thing is avoiding Machine Strike, because I never played it once. Not a single time, not even a tutorial. Nope, went up to him, they're like, hey, you want to
2: learn a game? I'm like, if it's like Gwent, get lost. And I turned around and walked away, and I never came back. Thankfully, it wasn't like Gwent, because otherwise I maybe would have made it a lot less far in this game <laughs> and just done a lot more of that.
1: You did love Gwent. I thought it was fun enough. Like yeah. I played just this the tutorial missions, I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to look for these pieces out in the world. And I did, and I never played in another Town because you know, finite time to play the game. I didn't want to get bogged down in the game within the game. Yeah,
2: luckily, I was able to keep that to a minimum. Um, I was able to keep that. I just played the tutorial and that was it. And then I found one person that had it at like one of the hunting lodges, and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna buy all the pieces you have because I got enough money. And then it's just like, okay, peace out. I think the highlight of play it later. The highlight of Forbidden West is
1: shooting the monsters, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. the core of the gameplay loop, and that's the highlight. Awesome. Fighting robot dinosaurs is a great time. Let's talk a little bit about our favorite enemies to fight and the tactics that we use to combat them. Joey, let's start with you. Number one enemy type. Um, so, Those stupid
2: birds that you have to like shoot with the rope? No, the birds are annoying. Um, yeah, I didn't I, like the glint hawks either. I haven't fought too many of the glint hawks. I, so I think the ones that I'm most intrigued by right now... And because I haven't really figured out the best way to approach them yet, the burrowers. No, the burrowers are are, are easy, and so are the scroungers. It's the uh, I think they're called the leap slashers, the kangaroo dudes. Those things are a pain in the royal arse, and, and I have Yeah. Oh no, those things. Like those things have killed me on more than one occasion, and I I've like those things are the most interesting because they're 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 hard to pin down. They're like they feel erratic. They're all over the place. They they move, like, fast. And so it's it's really hard to, like, focus on, like, shooting the stuff off that you want to try to focus on. And so then it's like, I feel like I'm constantly bouncing between melee and ranged, melee and ranged. And so I haven't figured them out yet. So they, they're maybe frustrating, but those have been the most interesting so far because I haven't figured out the best way to, like, min-max, like, approach them and defeat them.
0: It, you won't find, I, I'm max level, you won't they're so good at coming in and out because when they jump, they cover so much ground. Yeah. yeah. it's it, All you can do is go uh, focus time and then just keep putting javelins in their chest and they'll go down. But I mean, you're going to take
2: your lumps on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I those would be my favorite, even though they're hard. I like
1: the wide ma. I thought the wide ma was a lot of fun because it sucks you in. And like, you know, you're trying to put some distance between it so you can shoot it with things or set up your traps or do whatever you're trying to do. And like, he just cuts that space off by drawing you in, it's like oh you're gonna suck me in while well, you're getting an arrow right down your gullet for that big guy. <laughs> and you can shoot
0: off his teeth when his mouth and is open tusks, like that. Yeah. yeah, you can shoot off those tusks. Awesome.
2: You actually need those to upgrade certain things.
1: I should focus more on his teeth. I was trying to go directly down
2: the throat. So, or one of his other weak spots is on his 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 back end, his butt. Yeah, no, that's like he has the whole like thing on the back that is a weak point too. And I think you can. I think you get resources if you knock it off but it it takes a lot of shots or I just need to have better tear weapons. Probably that. There was a lot
0: of complaints people had about like how hard it is to injure some of these machines. And it's like, as long as you're ripping off components, you take off the right component. They drop half their life. If not more, like this game forces you to be mindful of what you're shooting at. And we didn't cover it earlier in the quality of life. But when you scan something, if there is a component that you need, you can go through a small menu to show you where it is. And then you can have it highlighted as you're fighting it. Which is so great. Yeah. Um, I love fighting Slitherfangs. I love
1: Thunderjaws. Slitherfang is a gigantic snake that you play huge both in cobra. the opening section of the game and then later on. Do they ever come up outside of like story stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're out in the wild. And you're going to have to get a lot of what's called their earth grinders. It's like a, it's like the area they their chew gizzard. up stones essentially. Yeah. Right. Um, you'll need them for a bunch of the legendary gear. There's these things called they're like scorchers. I think it's what they're called. It is oh. a, a dog that is on fire and it is so stupid fast those that are annoying
2: dog is on fire
0: that's very much it yes um so there's that the jabber jaws are these monkeys those are probably my least favorite in the game because <laughs> they're just all over the place they're like the leaplashers and then stalkers have you guys run to a stalker yet yeah, I've yes. fought a few stalkers oh in Zero Dawn. I haven't fought them in Forbidden West yet. So, you, they can basically disappear. Yep. So, if you're scanning them and they go into Cloak, too bad you don't scan them, you can't track them. Um, the only benefit is, is that I found out in this one, if, when they throw their mines on the ground, if you shoot their mines, they detonate all over and they will hurt the stalker. Oh, so, nice. once their Cloak comes down, it's time just to beat the living piss out of the thing. <laughs> um, and once you knock off a couple of the areas, too, is like, it's fun for some of these machines, they drop weapons you can use. And that's great. You can do that with um, some of the saw teeth. You can do that with the thunder jaw. It's fun to take down something with its own weaponry. I
1: mentioned how I didn't like the birds, the glintox. I did enjoy shooting them with my electric rope because then they're like tethered to one spot and they're taking damage over time. And that was just really satisfying for have me. It's you, like- have you used the vertical traps? But it's a vertical trap.
0: Okay. So I just unlocked yeah. my first vertical trap. Do you remember how... Okay, so there's traps you can put on the ground, right? You know that. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, in this version, there's vertical traps. It looks kind of like a small mechanical device, but it will create like an electrical beam straight up out of the ground, um, up maybe 10 feet. If they fly into it, they're locked in place. So you use, use that. That would be helpful. You use it to hunt the birds. It makes it a lot easier because they are so mobile. Fun.
1: Yeah. Birds are annoying. I tried a lot of stealth. I found it less than satisfying i use stealth
0: to be able to induce status effects particularly frost and once that's done um brace shot usually or like say the uh, ability with the bolt caster where you can deplete the entire magazine by just using stamina if you do that i mean you can rip through anything before it even gets a chance to offense Um, i try
1: to silent strike
0: it'll it'll get you hurt You can't get that close and get away cleanly most of the time.
1: Yeah, super frustrating because I put all my points in the infiltrator tree. Infiltrator tree.
2: So, I mean, it depends on how far, how how well spaced the dudes are. So, like, when I was messing around with a lot of that, I was, like, one of the times I remember. Because otherwise, I, I do stealth all the time whenever I'm doing, like, a bandit camp or a rebel camp in this game Mm -hmm. because then it's basically just try to stay hidden shoot as many people in the freaking head as possible and then yeah if people get aggroed they come up shoot them in the head and just you rinse wash repeat and And you can do that to their chiefs and which are like hard to fight if they see you but you can you one shot that guy it's like thank god yeah (laughs) and so uh so with machines uh the one that i did that with was in front of the moo cauldron there's like a conglomerate of different machines that were standing there before I went into it. And so I just went into this one little bush and then stabbed one of the scroungers or scrappers, and then just waited in the bush as Something else came over to look at it. It turned away. I threw a rock behind it. It goes, looks at the rock. I stabbed <laughs> that and kill it. You know, now granted you get up to stuff that's big enough. You don't have a strong enough silent strike yet to be able to do enough to kill them. But I was able to one time uh, with one of them, Silent strike it and go around a uh, like a, a rock pillar. It like looked around for me and stood there. Come back around. Silent strike it again. Go back around it. It was a shell walker inside the cauldron. I did the silent strike to it three times until another one that I didn't know was around came and just chucked something at me. I was like, okay, now I'm screwed. Hmm. And I think I did die that time. But it's like, I'm wondering how many times I can keep circling around this thing and silent strike him until I kill him just right in the rear. Make sure you get it in that uh, cargo pod. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I wanted.
1: It gives I want you the, a lot of
2: scavenge. That sweet, sweet scavenge mm. goodness.
1: Yeah, salvage, not scavenge. Whatever.
2: Scavenge is a verb. Shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh you got me there <laughs> advantage brian <laughs> we've already talked about the skill tree and the weapon upgrade system was a bit a bit was there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on about those systems i think the valor surges are cool
2: but i forget that they exist all the time
1: my problem is and you unlock valor surges they're randomly interspersed throughout the skill trees and like you invest different skill points to unlock these valor surges it's like a special ability I unlocked the stealth one because I was in the stupid infiltrator tree first. I don't know how to
2: swap that out for another one. You uh, highlight one of them that you've... So you have to get the skills that are around the three different sides of it. Once you get it, you highlight it, you hit square, and then it equips it.
0: And you can, you can boost them up to level 3. Yeah. So you can actually use skill points to juice it up. So
1: Yeah, I've got super duper stealth one, and it hasn't been particularly effective for me.
0: Yeah, range master, like I said, it's kind of broken because it, it increases like 60% of your arrow damage. It also replenishes life per hit. Um, yeah. and it I increases, should do that one. Yeah, that your draw,
2: It's kind of broken. My uh, That one, because that's the one I'm using... The only thing is I always pop it and then I'm instantly in melee combat throughout the rest of it because things are like coming at me. It's like, oh, I screwed it up again. And then I just forget I have it forever. And then it's like, oh, that bar's all the way full. I guess I need to proc my
0: ultimate. It's it's good to use, too, if you know that you're going to take damage because as you go into the Valor Surge, it's invincible frames. So if you know you're about to eat something that's going to hurt, the second it's about to hit you, pop it. It'll go into your animation, but the the attack will continue. Ah. So as it swings through you, no damage. You come out of it, and then you can make some decisions.
2: Those fighting game skills you're pulling out there.
0: Yeah, iframes are super important. <laughs> Sliding has iframes, rolling has iframes, and it was interesting in this one how with rolling because we're talking about like running from monsters. After three rolls, it like causes you to slightly trip. Did you guys notice that if you're spamming roll yeah, after three, it causes her to like stumble? Huh. So it's trying to like remind you, hey, you can't keep doing this. They added it for this game. Yeah, this isn't
1: Dark Souls. Stop rolling. Clearly now. not. <laughs> I there are weapon skills in this game and this was another frustration for me. I didn't figure out how this worked until after 30 hours which, this is on me, I'm aware of that but I was in the infiltrator tree a common theme with my issues here <laughs> and all the infiltrator tree skills tie to the sharpshot bow. I didn't have a sharpshot bow oh, for yeah. the longest time so I'm like well, I don't know how to use my weapon skill, I don't know how to fire it off like why can't I use one on my bolt caster or whatever other weapon. It's like oh, it was, eventually I had to look in the tutorial and go back to like that lesson about how to use those did you guys get a lot of benefit out of your weapon skills i did i uh, brace
0: shot with the sharp shot bow i thought that was fantastic i have that unlocked the (laughs) the the javelin has one where you throw the it's called the split spike you throw the javelin up it's kind of hard to aim because it's on a huge arc but you'll throw the javelin up it'll split and then detonate over the machine. And if you do that against like a shell snapper, because they're so wide when it comes to area, Mm -hmm. you can just decimate them. Gotcha, Um, interesting. When we're talking about weapons, my favorite weapon in the game is probably the shredder. Um, And there's one where I can throw three of them at a time and you can build up status as quick. I used a ton of them. I thought they were a great addition. Um, because I think the only thing we could do in the prior game was notch multiple arrows. That was the only thing. That was the only thing. And it's, it, the stamina bar took me a little bit to get used to. And once I had enough in certain sets of armor to increase how fast that stamina built up, I was having a ton of fun. Um, awesome addition. And I'm really glad that they've tried to find ways where you could use these in some different situations.
2: I haven't really gotten into them yet. The ones that I've unlocked, kind of similar to you, um, I unlocked a couple of them in the in the uh, warrior path, and those are all around the warrior bow. And the warrior bo- warrior warrior bow Sex. I have, it just it does shock damage, but it never seems like it really does that much, and it takes forever to try to build it up to actually shocking the thing. So I just I stopped using it, and I, I unlocked one for my normal hunter bow. But I don't think I, I don't think I've actually ever used it yet, um, and so mostly when I've been going through things, unless I've had to unlock one of the weapon skills, I've mostly just skipped around it for now um, until I like really start to hone in on things more, and then I'm probably going to like I've been thinking about it the last like the last little bit that I've been playing. It's like okay, I need to figure out how to work some of this stuff in more or unlock some of these. Like the next time I get a good like chunk of skill points all at the same time, I need to unlock a couple of these on, like, my hunter bow and really, like, dig into it some more.
0: And you can put things down pretty fast. One thing, as someone who also loves statuses, and, and when you're talking about, hey, my, my shock bow doesn't do much, one thing I didn't learn until almost the end of the game, purge water, which is a bow that you'll get towards the end of the game, or maybe more mid-game, it's in a blue fashion, uh-huh. purge water takes off a machine's ability to be strong against an element. So say you're dealing with, like, a tremor tusk, they're good against electric, you hit him with a couple of purge arrows, he's now neutral. So then you can shock his ass into the ground. Um and it's a cool
2: dynamic the game never even brings up at any point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other than seeing that like I think it's the I think it's the wide maw is weak to purge um and so then our yeah, I'm saying it right. It's purge, purge, purge yeah, yeah, and it's it's and one so bow. I just I basically what I do though is I had purge mines that I'd found. And so then in that one I like laid a bunch of those down and then tried to lead it over those traps nice. basically so that it would die or would take that damage and then I could work on it after that. Um that helped with like the double wide maw like boss battle that you have in one of the things um quite a bit actually. So so no, I and, and yeah, that and acid are the two uh, statuses that are added to the game I think they're they're awesome like the acid one is super useful against plasma anything too. that has armor I haven't yet yeah, and I haven't really gotten to the point where okay. you get a lot of plasma stuff yet I've had enemies that had it against me some but I've never unlo- I haven't unlocked anything where I can do anything with it yet
0: basically once you put it on them you have a certain amount of time to build it up and once it does after a duration it detonates
2: oh okay so interesting. quite useful yeah so I know it's cool that they keep iterating on things it'd be interesting to see what they would do moving forward great combat system. Let's talk
1: about the story. Burns, you're going to step out here in just a moment, because you don't want to have this story spoiled for you. Yeah. But you're 20-some hours into it. Um, I guess I'll set up some of the early game stuff. Let's get your impressions. Then you can step out, and Brian and I will finish off the conversation. As I mentioned, this game takes place directly after Horizon Zero Dawn. Aloy's trying to take down... She's trying to save the world again because there's this big blight, and then you learn that the big blight isn't the real threat in this game. And that takes a pretty significant amount yeah. of time to get to. I think you just hit that point in like 20 hours last night. Was that your first encounter with the Far Zeniths?
2: No, uh, it was before that. Because um, there's... Yeah, it was before that a little bit. Because like what I just got to is unlocking the base. Um, and moving just like just starting to move past that. And so the Far zenith stuff happened a little bit before
1: that. Sure. Well, what are your impressions of the story so far, Burns? Are you happy with how it's setting up? I've already said that I don't think it's as good as the opening of the first game, and I think that's a hard legacy for any game to live up to with an established character. But are you happy with how it's developing?
2: So, I mean, like, origin stories are always interesting, right? And so, especially
1: think, with a brand new IP, especially
2: with a brand new IP, because you, you, it's a whole new setting. It's a whole new world. You got this new character that you're learning these things about. And it's easy to get behind Aloy because, you know, hey, she's this outcast, but she seems like a cool person, you know, and this Ross guy's kind of cool. And he's a good like he's like a good uh, father figure for her, a good mentor. Uh, and and so that stuff's really interesting and then it's like, oh, she's doing what Nora don't do and she's leaving to go explore the world because she has this greater calling and you're finding out more and more about that. Um, and so you get into the second game and like the first part of it is a lot of reconnecting with some of those characters and getting their baggage about the fact that she just kind of abandoned them. They are so salty. Yeah, well, which... You kind of understand because it's just like, hey, we're going to have this huge celebration and you were a huge part of it and now you just peaced out. And it's like, we don't know where you went. Did- She's much more flawed in this game. Yeah. Well, and because I think it's interesting because when you look at Aloy as a character, she struggles with the fact that everybody looks up to her. Like She was used to the fact that everybody hated her, looked down on her, didn't even pay attention to her, and she liked that because she liked being a loader. And now that she has all of these people that depend on her, whether it's specifically because they're her friends or it's um, not specifically in that she was the savior of Meridian. And now she's here and she's going to be helping us do whatever we need to do. Um, and it's like, she just doesn't, I don't think she wants that role, but she wants to do what she can do to try to fulfill like the shoes of her genetic lineage. Right. And so I think that aspect of it's, I think that aspect of it's really interesting. And it is a slow burn because until you, you, unlock like who she can talk to about that she doesn't feel comfortable opening up with anybody because it's like it's it's multifaceted right she knows all of these things about the world that other people just don't understand you have these people that are more of like primitive tribes and she has this full knowledge of how the world was created, ended up in this point, how the technology is running it. And it's not just that this is all like mysticism or whatever. Um, and so she understands that and she doesn't understand it to the point where she can clearly explain that to people, right? And now she's got like Varl who keeps wanting to hang around with her, Aaron who was butting in, but then he, you know, got salty enough right away. Like Aaron does and is just like, well, fine, go on without me then. Do what you're going to do. Like you always do, you know, and, um, it's a good Aaron. Yeah. And, and, but then, you know, you're starting to get this other, like these other, this other, like, people that are starting to form this coterie around her that are going to be like supporting her and learning about stuff. And like you get Zoe, for instance, who's like, I want to learn about this now that my eyes have been opened up. You're like, cause she's going from like this primitive mind view to like, just all of a sudden fully understanding what all of this is and trying to like, trying to like understand how this all happened and what this all means compared to, Her, like, very primitive, almost, like, sort of mystic religious view of how the world was, right? And I think that's super interesting how I think I could see that character eventually, like, helping to take... Because that's the thing. She doesn't want to give up any of the burden to any of these characters. Because she feels like because of her genetic lineage, it's her burden on her own that she has to carry. Um and I think part of what a lot of the game is probably going to do is show her that it's going to be better the more people she has around her to help support her. Kind of like when the end of the first game, when you're trying to save Meridian and you're fending off the massive amount of the Pharaoh uh, enemies that are coming at you. It's like, okay, like I need people to help me in these different instances. Like I needed, uh, shoot, I is it Petra with the big... Mm -hmm. guns to be able to knock the things down and stuff like that like i needed her in this one instance to be able to really accomplish this stuff and so i think that's what this whole second game is going to be is trying to like break that down with her but i mean she's guarded off because she's not used to being in that situation i think that's interesting to me is it interesting overall as a story maybe not um having not played the first game not having that connection with those characters
0: yeah
1: not particularly interesting right
0: you have to be able to care about those people. That's the thing. Because I mean, this, this game is so much more about connection. Yep. And if you don't have that connection to the characters, then you're just, you. it's going to be really hard for you yeah. to get involved.
2: And it's it's interesting also because, you know, and I think part of that's the benefit, like the Farzina stuff to me is really interesting. And I've just barely scratched the surface about it. But it's like the moment I saw them, I was just like instantly, ah, that didn't fail. The ship didn't blow up. And like so, what's why? Why are they here now? What are they doing? And and so like that stuff is just super fascinating to me. And like instantly and w- thinking ahead about what I think might happen in a third game without seeing like like the bot the back seventy percent of this game. It's just like like the the possibilities that it opens up as to where the third game could take place or where things are going to go from there is kind of fascinating to me. The far zeniths are great. At 30-some hours, I finally got more of
1: them. There's an yeah. additional counter early on, and then it was another 10 hours before I got more into them. And then I was finally hooked on the story. <clears throat> before, I was just playing it because it was fun, and I had this show to get ready for. Yeah. Now, at 35 hours, I am into the story. And it's like, oh, well, you know, time to move off of it. It's
2: a bummer because, like, I really want to see where it goes now. Right. Well, it's interesting because the first game is all about Aloy learning about the creation of Gaia, right? and the 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 how all of these pieces were put together you know Minerva Apollo and how Apollo got like lost and then you know Hephaestus and Demeter and all these other things that are going into making Gaia and what Gaia does right
0: so just for those of you that aren't fully aware Sorry, yeah. Gaia is a subsystem and all that means is Gaia's a system that was the the human race was failing it was collapsing and what they did was they created Gaia and what she does is she reboots the world Mm -hmm. and each of these subsystems named after the gods has a certain role in assisting with creating that biome again
2: yeah and what's happened is because Gaia ended up this is going back to horizon zero dawn because Gaia had to destroy itself in order to try to stop Hades from taking over um which is Hades was the fail safe to check against Gaia getting out of power and because Hades ended up taking over. Um, Gaia destroyed herself but in the essence of destroying herself created Aloy as the clone of the person who created Gaia who would be the only key to being able to restart Gaia again once Hades was taken care of so it's essentially an endless cycle yes yes and so it was like Gaia's long play of I'm putting Aloy here. When she comes of age, she will be the one that will have the key to recreate me and take care of the menace of Hades run amok. Um, and, so, and so now, in that first game, you're learning about how Elizabeth Sobeck and all these other people that were a part of Zero Dawn created Gaia. Now because you know Aloy is not a programmer she's not going to be able to sit there and create this massive program that's going to be able to do all these crazy things so you're now recreating gaia as best as you can with the skills you have which your skills aren't programming your skills are running shooting around, shooting things stabbing things collecting things and bringing it back and i think that's kind of at this point in the story where i'm at it's like now you got to go out you got to get minerva you got to get demeter you got to get um poseidon poseidon um like that's cool to me that's interesting it's like okay cool i'm going to like recollect what i can of this maybe i'm going to be able to collect one of these 3 that we think is lost um and then eventually we'll have enough to get hephaestus and and then like then the ball's running after that and that that's like enough to really get me into it before that it was enough to just, like, reconnect with these different people. Like, who's it going to bring back next? Who am I going to talk to next, you know? And every time, like, someone would pop up, it's like, oh, yes, it's Talana. And she's got a new thrush. That's awesome, you know? Um, I'm not going to
1: say that Horizon Zero Dawn is a must-play to enjoy Horizon Forbidden West. But I'm saying, from my experience, oh. given how I enjoy narrative in games, yeah. it would have been... A much better experience having played Horizon Zero Dawn to completion
2: first. 1,000% I would agree with that. Like, I'm glad that I, you know... And granted, like, if I wouldn't have, I probably would have finished Forbidden West. Like, with the amount of time I put into Zero Dawn before I played it in preparation for this podcast. But I'm glad that I did it the way that I did it because, like, I wanted to get the story the way that I got it. it. It is so well done in the first one. Like, the way that it... Because... I mean, as far as you got, like you don't even know, like most of what actually happens.
1: I know that uh, Aloy is an outcast, and that she's going on this epic adventure.
2: Yeah, and so it's like it, to it, put
1: it into Lord of the Rings terms, yep. I uh, I
2: never got out of the Shire. <laughs> yes, it's it, so, planning that god <laughs> birthday still. <laughs> <laughs> but like, similar to so like the first game, kind of it, it almost kind of is structured the same way. Like, the whole thing is that, okay, someone came here and tried to kill Aloy, she wants to leave to, A, hopefully not bring more war onto the Nora, and go out and explore the world because she's inquisitive, and she has this special ability, and she could, like, unlock these things, right? And so, like, that's... And then the most of the first part of the game, like, the first half to three quarters of the game, is just wandering around between different places and getting, like, drip-fed certain things. Until you get to the point in Zero Dawn where it's like the wow moment of, okay, this is where it all came from. This is how everything, like, you mostly find out about the downfall of the humans, but this is what Zero Dawn is. And it's like, once you find out what Zero Dawn was and how that was the game changer and, like, the sacrifices that all those people made, that it's sort of like, okay, that's the story of that. That came, that came probably 40 or 50 hours into Horizon Zero Dawn. And so then it's like, okay, I mean, if this is just starting to get us into this at 30 hours in, like that's, that fits with how the first game worked. It's just without having that base of the first game, it's not as interesting probably. um, Yeah, I would say that is probably accurate.
1: I said off air that we're going to go into spoilers, but we need to wrap this show up relatively soon. Brian, I'll turn to you. From how far Burns has gotten until the end of the game, you've seen this game to completion. Can you give us your impressions of the story without revealing any specific beats? As someone who doesn't particularly enjoy story and games, what stood out to you about Aloy's journey in Horizon Forbidden West? It's it's a
0: combination of things, right? It's going to be a lot about the people that she's close to. It's the relationship she has and how she tries to find that balance. Burns said that super well. She's trying to find a way to where she can be able to go out and do these things um, independently and also not push the people around her away, which she has done in the past repeatedly. And she's going to continue to do it. The Farsi in this adds such a wonderful twist to how the game works only because for how the story is, there's nothing like them. Mm-hmm. They are so far beyond advanced anything that we've seen, even the machines. The machines are these technological marvels. The Farzinas are well beyond yeah. that. And it's going to be her understanding, A, why are they here? And just and to be spoiler free, this game is going to be set up into a trilogy. There's going to be another game. Mm-hmm. They make it very clear that there is something much greater at risk that they have to deal with. And it's interesting to watch how you now have an understanding of it doesn't matter if you're the biggest baddie out there. There's there can be something even worse, mm-hmm. and it's it's a very fun. I'm not going to say anything else other than that is it's it's fun
1: to see what has happened and what has driven them here. Well, that's intriguing, Bernsey, What do you think happens? This is purely speculation because I don't know anything about the end of this game yep. or the future of the series. I don't believe you do either. Yeah. I mean, what could be bigger and badder than these spacemen that come and are like super? scientifically advanced
2: yeah so here's here's where i see it going um and and this is i'm certain this is what's going to happen um you get to the point where you come to an agreement with the far zeniths and that's when the silver surfer shows up and galactus is there
1: Oh, that'd be cool. And the
2: Devourer of Worlds is there, and you have to shoot it. him with some arrows. You have to shoot him with some arrows, and then Spider-Man, Wolverine, any of the IPs that Sony has gotten, show up and start attacking. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where it's going. Uh, no, uh, honestly, it's like so the, the the harebrained idea I have in my head right now is it's like okay, so this game you're getting introduced to the farziness and that they they were there, they they've they've come back for some reason. Um, that I'm sure I'll find out pieces of as I go through the game. Um, my understanding, my guess, my harebrained idea is, you know, they mentioned a little bit in Zero Dawn of the Forbidden West and, uh, oh, nobody goes to the Forbidden West, but then it's like all of our friends are there. So everybody's in the Forbidden West mm. now, apparently. But um, my guess is we're going to end up having to go, like, way somewhere else. So we Like, either... way somewhere else, like the Antarctic or No, Mars. like, serious. Like, we're going to have to mm. go to where... The Zeniths were from to do something because we're going to have to either help them or stop them in some way. And so like that third game is going to take place like way out somewhere else.
1: And Brian, uh, if we are completely off base, I like this story. I like where this is going. Brian, if we're completely off base, just play along. Are you interested if Aloy's adventures take her beyond Earth to like another planet completely made up space or is the charm of the horizon franchise the robot dinosaurs on earth and trying to understand how our world turned into this dystopic future
0: i think the difficulty of the game is it's that it's that mixing of the uh, mechanically almost magical Mm -hmm. and then the tribe-like nature of the current primitive world i think it's the, di- the the dichotomy between the two of them that is actually the sweet spot for the game. So if they went high, high fantasy and the entire world that you go to is like running around like a cauldron, mm. I don't know if I would enjoy that so much. I mean, Ooh, maybe you
1: fight transformers. <laughs> and, and, and
0: to, to this day, though, it still confuses me. A alloy is only alloy with special abilities because she randomly found a focus once when she was child. If she never found that focus, she would know nothing of any of this. Right. It was a random moment, so that's a big battle with the plot.
1: Well, I imagine Elizabeth Sobets was a very inquisitive soul to become a scientist. She was a scientist, yep. right? Yeah. I don't know why I look at you. You both completed it, but I guess I rely on Burns for lore and <laughs> You four random comments okay. that are coming to me. <laughs> uh,
0: and she, so the fact that she randomly found it, that was always something I always thought was funny. Because if she didn't happen to trip over it that one day and she was exploring, then yeah. this would have happened. And B, she can still take down mechanical dinosaurs with a bow, like regular arrows
2: and a bow. That's pretty d- impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So now you give her some beefy weapons, and what can she do? Give her a lightsaber, laser guns. Oh, yeah. it's gonna be the best. Yeah,
0: just can't wait. Maybe get yeah. some DLC. Maybe some microtransactions. <laughs> oh man, can I buy like
2: a lobster hat she can wear? <laughs> oh <laughs> man, count me you in. Know, cup noodles, <laughs> cup noodles. Go full Final Fantasy 15 on it. At the campfires, there's Coleman coolers and stuff. There, it's perfect. Let's monetize this business.
1: So something bigger and badder is coming. Brian, I turn to you again. Were you satisfied with the conclusion of this story? Or is it a big cliffhanger that just frustrates you that the third game isn't out yet?
0: I no. I I like where it's going. I think that it's gonna be a fascinating thing that they have to deal with coming. Um The only part So
1: something is coming. Something is coming to Earth. Like
2: coming coming?
0: No, like the, the, the plot line Cut that's that. coming. <laughs> So the the part that, the only part that, again, that, and you guys have already kind of reached it, where they've already stopped talking about the blight, they're not going to talk about it again. That's just the weird part. That's the whole point of the story, right, was to go stop this blight,
2: and they just stop talking so about it, and they're never going to come back to the it. The one thing about that, because it's like, because they talk about the three subroutines that they're going to try to gather at the point of the story where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it made it seem like that was going to, to some extent... Like because those have gone rogue and gone missing, like that's part of the reason why the blight is is there. And if 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 she gets to she gets Poseidon, she gets um, um Minerva, not Minerva, she already has Minerva, um, whatever the third one is. I I'm forgetting it at this Hephaestus. point. Hephaestus. No, no, Hephaestus is down the line. But if she gets these other three first, like that's what's going to help to because those ones are different things about controlling the land and controlling the water and controlling like the environment. So that'll um, fix the blight. If the, that, that, that'll help to balance out the blight and stop it from, from, from expanding. I could be wrong. That's just sort of what I was thinking. It's like, okay, so that takes care of that part. And then we have to get to the other part that's going to be the more complicated thing. I'll it? just say you'll see. I know. That's true. That could be true. That could be true.
1: Well, we've been talking about Horizon for a long time. What are our final thoughts and takeaways on Horizon Forbidden West? I'll start. Great game. It's a great game. It's really well done. There's so much to love in this game. I would rather personally be playing the original first. I yeah. just wish I had that history and that affinity for these other characters that are apparently an important
2: part of Aloy's life. I would actually recommend, Tom, if you end up taking like a break for a while from this, which you probably are... Highly likely, yes. And you come back to the series down the line, and you have like you have to say, this is a magical world where you have lots of spare time to just really sit down and relax and enjoy a game, I think you should go back to Zero Dawn and keep playing that.
1: I think I'd restart it at this point.
2: Or, that, I, or that too. I'd mean, I jump it, back in for like a couple hours, hours
1: before uh, before starting Forbidden West. And yeah, I think I'd just restart. Yeah. And reabsorb it. Because I
2: think that would be... Cause, and then what you could do, like you could probably come back to Forbidden West and continue with where you're at then. But I think having a little bit more of that is going to make some of the other stuff a little bit more special. Um and it's like even like the little things, like the Zenith stuff was just like, OK, that that's a thing now. that's, that's a, And it's so cool because there's little nuggets. Now, granted, I'm sure that necessarily wasn't their plan from the get go, but they took that and expanded that into this whole part of this game. And that's cool, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, Forbidden West has been so much fun so far. Um, Zero Dawn was amazing. I'm so glad I finally finished it. And I'm really looking forward to getting through um, Forbidden West and seeing it to its conclusion because I've really gotten to like the characters and the setting and Aloy especially and trying to see like what Aloy is going to continue to develop into Brian, we'll get to your final thoughts and takeaways in just a second. I just wanted to reiterate
1: this point. If you're interested in this franchise, you really have to play Zero Dawn first. Like it just, it's crucial. This is... On its own thing, it's a great game and it's really well done. But to truly appreciate it, you have to play Zero Dawn first. And
2: it's out on PC now, right? I believe it came out on PC late last year, mid last year, something like that. So, you know, if you have a PC or PS4 or PS5, um, highly recommend playing Zero Dawn. Um, And then Forbidden West, I'm guessing within a year, maybe a little bit longer will be on PC. So you got time to get through it if you don't have a PlayStation. And the game's always going to be there regardless if you have a... If you have a PlayStation, you know.
1: And Zero Dawn is a masterpiece. Zero Dawn is a must-play masterpiece if you have access to PlayStation or PC. And this game is also really good. Brian, your final thoughts?
0: It's a game that I like so much because the story is is complex, but it's also something that's approachable. And Mm -hmm. the game lets me choose how i want to approach it do i want to spend a day upgrading items Do i want to spend a day pushing the story do i want to spend a day just going off and just discovering new areas of the map you can do
1: it in any way that you want Mm -hmm. to do it and there's not a lot of games that let you be that way a lot of think about far cry 5 i laugh so hard at your story where they abducted you on the plane oh my god and it's yeah (laughs) boss fight (laughs) regardless of what's happening boss fight it's like oh
0: my god um but I have to take a poop. I don't want to do this now. Oh my (laughs) Lord. And it's, it's, it lets me, it lets me kind of uh, take it in, eat it and and enjoy it in a way where I can do it in, it fits around my life. And that's the the cool part of it. And then there's some, other. sometimes there's those days you just play forever and that's a great day too. Mm -hmm. Um, but the story's good. The, the characters, particularly actually some of the ones we'd even talk about, which are like the people that were close to Elizabeth Silbeth, um, Ted Farrow, who is fascinating. Mm-hmm. He's basically a nihilist that caused so many of these problems. Um, just to kind of understand what they were doing as the world came to its conclusion. Like, it's, it's a really beautifully written story. Um, and I, I loved the first one. I loved the second one. Um I'm also interested to see whatever game is released at the same time of the third one because it seems to just <laughs> keep coming out next to blockbusters. Yes, yes. Um but I would recommend it anybody that wants to play it because it's a game where it's a single player and it's really something that it's great because you don't need anybody else for it at all. It's just you and your time and the world.
1: Let's uh, do one quick final thing here. Comparing this to other single player games, what is your single player highlight? What is the best single player game? From the last two console generations. Spider-Man for me. Spider-Man 2018. And like God of War was amazing. God of War was phenomenal. And Zero Dawn, I'm sure, is phenomenal. I didn't get far enough into that. Mm. Forbidden West, sounds like an awesome game. But for me, Spider-Man is still the preeminent single-player experience. Brian? Uh... You guys don't
0: agree with me, but either Breath of the Wild or Metal Gear Solid Five, and those are two very different games.
1: I think Metal Gear Solid Five is arguably one of the best games ever made. So, like, I I'm not huge into stealth games, so there were elements that weren't particularly for me in that. But I totally get where you're coming from on that. And Breath of the Wild, like, people love that game. It's just ironic that Joey and I are in the same minority camp and you, rebelling against it, it. You take away
0: the weapon breakability, I think that most people would have a much different feeling about it, for sure.
1: I probably would. Yeah, I could use a touch more structure in my gaming time. And probably more story. That game is pretty lean Sports on story. Time. Yeah. Mernsey, your
2: preeminent single-player experience. It's so hard, man. Um, Take a stand. There's so many good ones. Um, the last two console generations, so PS4 and PS5 so Dragon's far. Dogma for you? No, no, it's not Dragon's Dogma. I that's included... technically PS3, right? Oh, it's yeah, just that's just re-released on PS4?
1: I included PS4 to give Horizon Zero Dawn the opportunity. Yeah. Um... Oh, I know yours.
2: Like... You talked about it earlier in the show. Like, it's, ow, it's hard. Pro- it probably, to be honest, like, looking back at it and some of, like, this, the wow moments I had during the game, it still probably is God of War.
1: Over Persona 5.
2: Yes, like, so Persona 5 is not my per- favorite Persona game. And so that's okay. where it loses out there. Like, Persona 4 Golden is still my favorite, like, Persona game. Um, God of War, like... From a story standpoint, what they did to take a terrible, horrible, one-dimensional character and make him into something interesting, but still be true to that, like, original character. And then just, like, the things that, like, the reveals they have in that game, some of them are so, like, well done. And, like, what it built up for what Ragnarok is going to be when that comes out. Like, God of War still is... One of the best games of all time, in my opinion.
0: And, and it's, oh man, you were—that would be within my top three. My wife yeah. to this day, and my wife's not a big gamer, but my wife will go play God of War four because it's one of her favorite stories. Yeah, she loves watching the
2: story yeah.
0: of that game, and she's not wrong. It's so good. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it, it's 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 such it's such a masterpiece. Witcher three is up there too. Um, and like I I had, I had. So, like, I because I, I kind of found myself comparing Horizon Zero Dawn to Witcher 3 as I was playing it. And it's like, I kind of feel like I enjoy this world more. The story and, and the combat. I love the combat way more than the Witcher 3's combat. I'll
1: take the Witcher the 3. The story
2: of Witcher 3 still is just so, like, compelling to me. And just the way that they do, like, the characters and the, and the structure of things still just, like, like edges it out for me. But it's close. But I'm excited to see what, what uh, Forbidden West does. Um, and I think... I'm really interested to see what Spider-Man 2 does because the things that they did in Miles Morales, like, from a story and character standpoint, I think that merged into how Spider-Man 2 could be uh, like that could that could unseat them all too, and, and then Reg, it's like Oh, games are awesome. Games are great. Spider-Man Two is going to be the best. When Joe was trying
0: to
1: figure it out, he honestly looked pained.
2: That's the only way I can describe I his face.
1: He looked pained. A lot of awesome single-player experiences next month. Joey and Patrick will be here to talk about tactical action as we break down XCOM Two and the XCOM board game. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna die lots yeah yeah maybe
2: kill a lot of people
1: i just saw the credits roll on xcom enemy unknown i'm pretty proud of myself for that i never thought i'd beat that game nice first game i've beaten in 2022 it's the only game i've seen credits roll on so far nice it's been a challenging year but i'm excited as xcom board game is a cooperative experience it's four players uh it's got real time elements so uh are we playing that one with casey casey goes last yeah casey goes last in that game (laughs) yeah i think we might have to do that (laughs) <laughs> All right, I hope you'll stick around for that show. Thank you so much for listening to Outside is Overrated. Please review us on your favorite podcast platform and comp- consider supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. For Joey at Hobby burns and twitch.tv slash HobbyBoxBurns and I hate story and games, Brian, I'm Tom Sedlachik at Tom Logic OIO. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids.
2: I was in the middle of a point and you completely destroyed it for me. thanks a lot jerk face. That's what you get Brian.
0: I am speaking into a microphone with a monotone voice
1: and what happens when you get excited?
0: <laughs> I spit a lot sometimes <laughs> <or> I hum.
1: <laughs> you guys also I win new record. Hello <sighs> Hello welcome to Outside is overrated a podcast the eight dip podcast. This is a new thing, Pod Nasty. Yeah, welcome to the Pod Nasty Network. Floppy ding dongs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs>